My guest today is part of one of the most underrated trades in Islanders history. This plug, as so many people may have thought him to be, was traded for, oh, this fancy pants finesse boy, and a lot of people in the beginning weren't happy. Well, I'm going to take you to school right now. My guest today is Aaron Asham. Nystrom, Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-card. Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. Spinning, spinning, who's he going to go after? The puck drops and Bob Gardner goes right to King Flatsenburg. But just a minute, Al Arbor has won mm-hmm. four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. back to Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box. I am your host, Joe Lizito. Uh, first things first, I cannot believe that I am up to episode 21. Uh, as I was making the graphic for this episode, I was like, damn, that's not too bad uh, for someone like myself who is doing this on a 72-year-old uh, laptop computer, uh, my gamer headset, no producer, no nothing. It's not too bad, actually, but uh, based on the prehistoric equipment I'm using, but really, it has very little to do with me, and it has everything to do with the guests that I have on. So I'd like to take this opportunity to thank each and every one of you who has been a guest on my show. Um, without you, obviously, there is no show because, honestly, who wants to hear me yammer? I've been married to my wife all these years, and uh, I think she's tired of it as well. So um, everybody that has been a guest on my show, I really want to thank you. Uh, Mike McWilliam was a guest on my show, and I want to thank him uh for doing the um help me with the musical intro uh with the different clips because lord knows i can't put that stuff together and mike was nice enough to do that for me uh someone else i want to especially thank is dean chanel um right now dean isn't really too interested in appearing on the show to talk about his career i totally understand it we talked about it but uh hopefully one day he'll change his mind and uh and he'll appear because i think it'll be uh, a pretty good interview like I said, Dino, I got the questions ready to go. And uh, drop of a hat, you text me, let's go, we're going. But uh, Dean is someone I've known for a long time. And Dean's kind of like the mayor. He knows everybody. So um, if I need to reach out to someone I, uh, and I have no way of getting in touch with them, I reach out to Dino. And, um, and he's helped me out with numerous guests. And, and Dean's been that way with me for a long time, even going back to uh, when I had the uh, old website in the early 2000s with the print interview. So um, I really want to say thanks to Dean Chenault for helping me out. Uh, he's a great friend and a great individual. And uh, every now and then, when, it, when I think about thanking you, Dean, I, um, I forget. It slips my mind. I start talking, and then 
you know, I, my brain glitches out, but I wanted to make a, a special uh, effort to thank you, Dino, for helping me out, uh, with, uh, reaching out and connecting with some of, some of my guests. Thank you, Mac, for uh, putting that intro together for me. I do appreciate that. Um, also, you've heard me mention him before. His name is Joe Marisich. Joe Marisich is the guy who designed my logo. I recently found out that Joe Marisich uh, knows one of my cousins. Well, actually knows both, uh, two of my cousins, brother and sister. Uh, so that was a small world type moment. Uh, Joe's a super individual. I am still waiting on the prototypes on my t-shirts. There is a place locally in town that does t-shirts and uh, I don't think I'm gonna wait too much longer. I think I may go and uh, find out what the story is. If I can get them made locally and get them produced because I know people have asked me for it. So uh, I'm going to do my best on that. Like I said, I have the mugs in the garage waiting to go. Uh, I just want to get everything for sale um, at the same time. So if, if anyone wants both things, I can ship them to you at once, save on shipping. And um, you know, I appreciate anyone that's asked me about merchandise. But back to Joe. Um, Joe is the artistic genius who designed my logo. You can get him, get at him on Twitter at GraphicsJoker, at G-R-A-F-I-X-J-O-K-E-R. -E you can also get him on a website called LoudEgg.com. Um, I've extolled the virtues of Joe's greatness since uh, he did the logo for me. Get used to it. It's not going away. Joe's awesome. Check his stuff out. He's great. Uh, also, a few other podcasts you may want to uh, check out. Uh, Fourth Line Voice, Darren, Fourth Line Voice, He's the one who started this, so if you don't like my show, blame him, because um, I had thought about doing a show for a long time, and um, I just never, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but uh, I listened to some of his episodes. I kind of liked it and um, figured, yeah, this is probably something I could do with uh, some of the relationships that I have with some of these guys, and, and I enjoyed doing the research, and um, so my show was born. I don't want to say he was an influence because I don't want him. I don't want to pump his tires too much. But um, I guess the simple fact is everybody has a podcast. Darren's is probably one of the best ones out there, and um, you know mine isn't too bad either. But uh, but check out Fourth Line Voice, and uh, he has two episodes every week on the Ho Hockey Podcast Network, a uh, network that also has Terry Ryan's Tales with TR. Um, you can't go wrong. They have a lot of different shows on there. Um, but uh, like I said, my, my two go-to shows on the network are Fourth Line Voice and Tales with TR. Also, check out Five for Fighting with Alec. Alec just released the uh, Pax and Schulte interview that uh, we've been waiting for, and it didn't disappoint. It was very good, and uh, definitely listen to the end. There's uh, some stuff uh, at the end regarding uh, a player named Barry Nykar who was in camp with the Islanders uh, one season. Uh, there's an incident that involved Barry and Paxton that I know I had heard about at the time, but it, it completely slipped my mind. So uh, when I heard it again, it was uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember. I remember hearing about that. But uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. And uh, Paxton's very honest about it. And um, Barry's a guy that I, I've contemplated maybe getting on the show with his Islander tie, like Islander ties. Like I said, he was in camp uh, one uh, one season. So uh, it's always a possibility and uh, maybe get his side of the story. But again, check out Five for Fighting uh, with Alec Olin Salen. That's it, two weeks in a row I said the last name right. Uh, there is another show called Bucket Drop Podcast with Bobby Longgrass, who I am supposed to record with this Thursday. 
I think I mentioned this last episode, but Bobby kind of bailed on me for a boat. I don't know what the story is with that, but uh, we're going to record top 10 uh, Islander enforcers of all time. And then uh, that should probably be out next week or so. So in the initial intro, I had mentioned that my guest today is Aaron Asham. And in the, uh, in the show, in the interview, I discuss with Aaron the reaction that my wife and I had when we heard of the trade. And we were pretty pumped about it because we had known Aaron a bit from his days in Fredericton. Um, and I honestly, as someone who watched the Islanders, I still watch them, don't get me wrong. I'm not a, a real big fan of the sport now, but I do watch all the Islander games. Um, so especially back then, I watched them even closer. But as someone who watched the Islanders with a fine-tooth comb, uh, I was not a fan of Marish Tchaikovsky. Now, going forward, what I'm about to say, I am not saying anything negative against Marius the person. I would venture to guess, because he's always so popular, no matter what team he's on, he's very popular with his teammates. He's probably a nice guy, probably a sweetheart of a guy, probably a great guy to hang out with. I'm not disparaging Marius Tchaikovsky, the person at all. Marius Tchaikovsky, the hockey player, I don't care what numbers you want to throw at me. Excuse me, he's an underachiever. Uh, and I don't care. You can, you can spit numbers at me. Uh, you can tell me goals, assists, whatever it is. Watching this guy on a daily basis during his time with the Islanders, underachiever 100%. In my opinion, you may think he's the fucking cat's ass. I don't. I think he's an underachiever. So when you have the opportunity to get a guy like Aaron Asham for a guy like Marius Tchaikovsky, you jump on it like the Islanders did. And I'll never forget the reaction that day. We were in a public area, and you'll hear it in the interview, and people were kind of like, what? What? But my wife and I knew we had seen Ash play plenty of times, and we knew exactly what the Islanders were getting for Marius Tchaikovsky, which sort of brings me to a frustration of mine with, with fans, and not just hockey fans, but sports fans in general, as a motorcycle drives by. Um, if you don't watch the games, or you don't, um, I don't know, like now everything is so accessible. Whether, uh, if you don't watch the games or you don't watch anything online, please don't comment on what you think about a particular player because. You could look at Marius Tchaikovsky's stats for a couple of seasons and say, wow, this guy's pretty good. But if you watched him every game, you'd realize, hey, this guy could have been a lot better. Another whipping boy of mine in particular, Vladimir Malikov. I don't know what his numbers are, but watching that guy every day, this is a guy that if he had the heart of an Aaron Asham, would have been a NARS Trophy winner every year, uh, would have won multiple awards, and would be in the Hall of Fame. I saw Vladimir Malikov score a goal on a slap shot from the red line one night in New Haven. And it was unbelievable. The guy is just so talented, but in my opinion, very little heart. Uh, Marius Tchaikovsky, uh, I don't think has as much natural ability as a Malikov, but I think if he tried a little harder, um, his numbers could have been that much better. But when this trade first happened, there were a lot of people that just looked at the numbers uh, this guy, Aaron Asham, he maybe played, I think, five seasons in Montreal. Uh, all five seasons were spent up and down between uh, Montreal and the American Hockey League team. Here comes Marius. He's got whatever his numbers are. And right away, people thought, what the fuck are the Islanders thinking? But the reality is this. 
the Islanders were the smart ones in this. The Canadians were the dumb ones in this because that season, Aaron Asham ended up scoring 15 goals. I don't remember how many points. Played a regular shift and was a heart and soul player, the kind of player that Marius Tchaikovsky is not capable of being. Marius Tchaikovsky that, that year uh, was a point-per-game player, like I say in the interview, in the American League. He didn't stick with Montreal. He played in the American League, and I think by the end of the season, he was back on the Islanders. So Montreal didn't even want him. Please, do me a favor. I know we're in the way the world is right now, people focus on numbers. They don't necessarily watch the games or follow the play or see what happened. Um, don't comment if you don't know. Uh, I know this is going to fall on deaf ears. I kind of equate it to football in a sense where you can look at football stats, and especially nowadays with fantasy football, all your great quarterbacks, the people that love, even your beloved Tom Brady, blah, 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 Tom Brady this, Tom Brady that. There's not a quarterback alive that would have any modicum of success without an amazing offensive line, a cohesive uh, five-man unit, or if you want to include the tight end, sometimes six men. There's no, no successful quarterback without an offensive line. But because the quarterback is the one that's on all the commercials and on all the magazine covers, and he's the guy that the media runs to after the game, and he's handsome, and he's got the supermodel wife, and he drives the fancy car. Everyone wants to focus on the quarterback. Maybe it's time to focus on the guys up front, the fat guys up front that do all the work so that uh, someone else gets the glory. So, you, you know, and the only time that you hear people say, talk about the offensive linemen is when they make a bad play, they get beat for a sack, uh, they, they take a costly penalty, a holding penalty at the wrong time, then all of a sudden that guy sucks. You didn't even know he existed before that play, and now he sucks. So... It's just, I guess it's frustrating now uh, more than ever, I guess, in the, in the time we live in with fantasy sports, which is such a stat-driven society. Uh, I think the younger generation especially. Um, it, it, and now, because everyone wants everything so quickly, uh, you don't have time to watch a game, so you just want to watch the highlights. So it's easy to see a guy score three goals in the highlights, but you don't know what else he may have done or any mistakes he made or whatever. Um, and then if you watch the highlights and the next game you don't see him in the highlights, then maybe he had a shitty game, but you may not know about it. But all you're going to remember is this guy had X amount of goals this year, but you didn't watch the games, so you don't really know. Especially if it's um, a team that's not in your area. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs have such a worldwide reach that maybe someone that lives in Oklahoma is a quote-unquote Leafs fan. But they don't ever watch the games, but they think Austin Matthews is amazing. Um, but they only ever watch the highlights. And they don't know a lot about the grinder-type players or your, your fifth or sixth defenseman because they don't care because they don't get the numbers. Why am I going on this rant? Like I said, it all comes full circle that um, the day that this trade was made with Aaron Asham for Marish Tchaikovsky, um, it was met with a lot of uncertainty, a lot of questions, and quite honestly, a lot of disappointment because I would venture to guess a lot of people had never seen Aaron Ashen play. But on the other hand, a lot of people had seen Marius Tchaikovsky play. What are you people watching? Okay, you like floaters. You like a guy who, if he has 20 goals, could probably get 30 if he gave a shit. You like a guy that, if he had 30 goals, could probably have 40 if he gave a shit. 
that's the kind of player you like. You like floaters. You like cherry pickers. Look, I don't know. Obviously, the demographic that's listening to this show right now probably is in 100% agreement with my assessment because that's the demo for the show, and I appreciate that. I doubt there's a lot of people on the show that are saying, this is fucking bullshit, Marius Tchaikovsky's awesome, and Ari Ashim sucks. There's probably nobody listening right now that thinks that, okay? But it's my opinion that that trade was an absolute steal. Like I said, especially considering that Ashim was a contributor with this team for multiple years, under multiple coaches, under multiple systems. The guy's game never changed, and all he did on every shift was give 100%, fought guys a lot bigger than him. Like I said, the first year scored 15 goals. Uh, good leader in the room. I mean, basically did everything you can ask a guy to do. And on the other hand, you have the Polish prince who eh, kind of floundered under the bright lights of Montreal, ended up back with the Islanders. So, I mean, you be the judge. Don't tell me what Maris Tchaikovsky did before the trade. Tell me what they did afterwards. And then tell me that you watched the game so you could tell me all the intangibles that Aaron Asham brought to the table. Because if you didn't watch the games, you can't do that. So, that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I rest my case. Do your homework before you post about how great players are when you probably have never watched a complete game of theirs. And also, if, if you do watch the games, like I said, next time you watch a football game, obviously the camera is going to follow the quarterback. Train your eye to watch the line play because that's where everything happens. That's where the guy, that's where you got guys fighting and, you know, clawing and they're getting their hands stepped on and they're getting hands in their face masks. It's an absolute war out there. And those guys are doing the job so your fancy quarterback can get the glory. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just a war zone. That line in football is an absolute war zone. So do yourself a favor. Watch that. It'll probably give you a greater appreciation for players other than the so-called skill positions that get all the, all the stats, all the money, and all the glory. Give some credit to the big man up front. And give some credit to the third liners and the fourth liners out there um, that do the job that your first and second liners, quite honestly, want no part of doing. So it's just the way it is. You can agree with me. You don't have to agree with me. That's fine. I saw it with my own eyes. I witnessed it. I know I'm right. You don't have to think so. That's what makes the world go around. We can have differing opinions. Unlike politics, you can have differing opinions, and everything's going to be okay. If you think I'm full of shit, my feelings aren't hurt. It's all good. I'm just grateful that you're listening. So, once again, thank you to all my guests that have appeared on the show. Uh, I have one or two that are confirmed but not recorded that I know you guys are going to like. I'm going to reach out to one of them this week and confirm, and then I'm going to reach out to the other guy and confirm for maybe a week or so going forward. One thing I am excited about is I think I found another one of the old Springfield crew that I thought was almost unreachable, but I think I may have found him, and I have to reach out to him as well. And if I do, I'm pretty pumped about that one. There's a lot of ifs. Wish me luck. Everybody, stay safe, have a great week, and enjoy Aaron Asham.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box. Today, I always say it's an honor uh, when I have certain guests on. This is a guy here that uh, I've known a very long time. I, I believe I've known him since his first year pro uh, with the Fredericton Canadians, and uh, we still keep in touch. He's a great guy. Um, you know, does a lot for community here on Long Island and back home in Canada. And uh, he really is the pride of Portage La Prairie. And that is my man, Aaron Ash. And how's it going, Ash? Good, good, Joey. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So my first question that I always ask everybody, my first question for every guest is, if I had a time machine and it took me back to Portage when you were a young man, you were a kid on the pond, who were you? And by that I mean... When I would play street hockey here on Long Island when I was a kid, I was always Clark Gillies or Bob Nystrom. Yeah. Uh, who who were you at that at a young age? I was uh, Wayne Gretzky. I was Grant Beer when I was at the Pipes. Mm-hmm. I was uh, Dale Howardchuk because I was a uh, you know growing up. Uh, we had the Jets there right down the road, so I was a Jets guy. Yeah. But uh, Mario Lemieux. But you know I rotated between those those three mostly. It's, yeah. Uh, Gretzky, uh, Ducky, and uh, and. Uh, who else did I see? Mario. And, and, and Mario. Yeah. yeah. How can I forget Mario? <laughs> boss at one time. <laughs> so, but I was always granting that. Yeah. I always caught with the different side glove just to be like him too. So it was, yeah, those are my three main go. But, uh, but I'd say Wayne and, uh, and, and Howard Chuck were probably my two of the guys that I were the most. That's not a bad uh, combo to, uh, to alternate there. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. So, can you tell me a little bit about Portage La Prairie? Because I don't know much about it other than maybe what I see on Wikipedia or Google. So, for someone who grew up there, can you tell me a little bit about it? No, it's a smaller community. There's, I think we have grown up, I think there was around 11,000, 12,000. It's obviously grown a little bit. Uh, the farm in town, you know, we have, uh, you know, farming land surrounding us. We have, uh, we have four, four reservations surrounding us. So, this, we have, we got a, a mixed pot there we had you know a lot of uh, a lot of natives you know right now we have a lot of uh we have a lot of the uh, what are the filipinos that there that are moving to town because we have like we have a lot of farms strawberries potatoes you know you you name it you know we're, we're we're farming it so you know we have a growing up was definitely interesting i worked the strawberry fields a little bit and was a milkman uh for one day and then quit <laughs> well, that, how come? That, that was it. I gotta ask. You yeah. worked one day. Why'd you quit? Uh, I got up at like three thirty in the morning. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And went and got my dad dropped me off. Went and I worked for like uh, worked till ten o'clock. So you know math again. Wow. Here goes with the math. So <laughs> six, uh, six and a half, seven hours. Yeah. And they paid you cash every day you went. And he handed me a, a, a like a ten dollar bill. Oh shit. Yeah, six <laughs> hours, and I was I was lifting a lot of milk crates, and yeah. going house to house, and it's a lot of work. Yeah. So uh, he called me the next day and ringing on the door and knocking on the door. <laughs> we had the lights off, and there's no way I was going back. Yeah. Not for ten bucks. I don't believe that you. was that was basically one of my first first real job, and yeah, I quit after a day. So that's wow. probably doesn't look that doesn't look good on me, but uh, you know, I just wasn't cut out to be a milkman, I guess. Well, it's, you know, you don't have to put that on the resume, and it didn't hurt you going <laughs> forward. So, no, uh, definitely not. So I think it's, it's... Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, you go ahead, bud. I was going to say, um, so I think uh, you played for the Portage, Portage Terriers, which I think is a pretty big deal 
back home, I would say that's probably um, the, the biggest team you could play for before making the jump to the Western League, correct? Well, I was I played the, with the Portage Terriers up until Bantam. Okay. My, my second year Bantam, I split my uh, my over my my major year in Bantam. I was up with the AAA Midget team as well, so okay. I played half the season with the Midgets and half the season with the Bantams, and uh, I never actually got a chance to play with the Portage Terriers or junior team. It was a uh, you know growing up in a small town like Portage, you know those guys were gods to me. And, yeah. Being being a huge hockey guy, my cousin played with them. I had two cousins that played with them, and you know I always wanted to be a Portage Terrier, and I just never had that opportunity. I left <clears throat> I left home when I was 16, and you know I kind of skipped over the the junior A and went straight to the to the Western League. Well, okay. Well, when you went to the Western League, uh, you ended up playing in Red Deer, and uh, your first year in Red Deer, you had uh, I mean people that have listened to the show and listened to the other fight podcasts. Uh, I think by now everybody knows a little bit about what the Western League is, and, and maybe not anymore, obviously, but what it was. Um, and your team was loaded for bear. Uh, that first year you played there, you had Pete Vandermeer, uh, Pete Le Boutillier, uh, Sean Selmser, Lance yeah. Ward, guys Ward. like you know BJ Young, Jay Henderson, smaller guys, but they play feisty. Uh, where did you fit in as a rookie on that team? Well, I, I came in as like a... Like I was a, I was a scorer. Like mm-hmm. all through minor hockey, I was always the leading scorer on my team. I was always, you know, the better player in in Manitoba, my age group, and and it was just uh, it's it was just uh, it was just crazy. It was, it, it, it was nuts, and mm-hmm. it's been it it was it was a let me tell you, it was a ride. It was being a 16 year old, never leaving home, going to Red Deer, and you know, like like you said, like our teams were tough. Like we had a, we had a very tough team. And I went in there, never, never fought my life. I may have had like a punchy, punchy in the face competition with a guy with our masks on, mm-hmm. like both hands. Like never in a real hockey fight, right? Until my first exhibition game. Because in the Western League, when you finish your check a little late, you got to stick up for yourself. And I found that out the hard way. <laughs> Do you remember who you fought? I, I no, I don't remember, but I believe it was against Kelowna or it was against one of those teams out west. Gotcha. And I did, I did not bad. Yeah. I hit the guy and I skated away and he grabbed me and away we went. And I kind of fell in love with it right there. That's great. <laughs> so for someone who who you say you're always one of the better players, you didn't necessarily fight. Uh, as you think about that first year, how how did you? Uh, how was the transition? Obviously, I'm sure. You're, you know, you had 27 points in 62 games, so it's almost, you know, uh, a point every other game, 11 goals. So you're, you're putting, you're, you're doing your share in terms of scoring, and obviously you're getting acclimated to the physical game. Uh, was the transition easy that rookie year? Uh, it was, I think the biggest, the hardest part was just being away from home and being away from your friends and being to custody, you know, getting used to being, you know, on, not on your own, but, you know, living with a new family and, you know, people you've never met before, and uh, you know, I think that was the hardest part. And the hockey-wise, you know, yeah, it's you know, it, it was a big jump from from Bantam to you know, one of the best junior leagues in in, in Canada, and it, it took me definitely took me a good half the season to really start feeling comfortable. And I think my numbers in the last half of the season started to grow, and I started to get confidence. And I came in that next year with, you know. Uh, a lot more confidence under my uh, under my belt, and and you know I kind of knew that I could play in this league, just not 
as a fighter, but as you know, a guy that can put up some decent numbers. And at some point this season, I don't know if it was in midseason or at the end of the season, you ended up playing for Team Canada in the as the under eighteen Pacific Cup. Yeah. Um, now that's not that's not World Juniors, right? Obviously, this is a smaller no, tournament. That, that is, yeah, it's it's the tournament leading up to the World Juniors. Usually, the guys that play with the with the under eighteen national team get invited to the World Junior camps, which I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, if it wasn't for a, a shoulder injury, you know, I would have got invited to the last camp. But unfortunately, I was hurt and I didn't get that opportunity. But still, being you know, I was in Japan when I was 17 years old, and you know, playing for my country was pretty cool. And you guys did win the gold medal, I believe, right? No, we lost. Uh, Samsonov and uh, Andre Zuzin, Russia beat us. Spanked oh, us. Fucking spanked, spanked us in the final. Oh no shit! See, so yeah. so far, I'm really not showing myself too well because I thought you played for the Terriers. You didn't. I thought you won the gold medal. You didn't. So uh, I got to really up my game here. So, you uh, just come in here blind? Or I, I t- you should see my notes. I have these notes. I, I can't believe it. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. Okay. All right. Well, let's see if I could write myself here. Now, uh, we talked about all the tough teams you played on Red Deer. So you go into your second year. Now you have some of the tough guys left over from that first year, including Vandermeer and Lance Ward. But now you add Lloyd Shaw and you add an up-and-coming tough guy named Mike Brown. Yeah. Who is a yeah, uh, pretty tough guy in his own right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. You know, we uh, Brownie back then. He he, he was uh, he was first round Brown. He was he was a little cocky coming in, but yeah, just a just a great guy. He had a lot of skill. Tough. He was a very tough kid. Mm-hmm. And you know, he, we had him. We had Shazi, and uh, that second year, we uh, we actually made it. Uh, I think it was the second time they made the playoffs, and it was our first time in Red Deer actually winning a playoff round. So the, the city was buzzing and. You know, it was just a, uh, it was just a great time. I, you know, I think that year we kind of got the ball rolling in Red Deer. And, you know, uh, just unfortunately we didn't have a chance to uh, to win a Memorial Cup there, but I'm glad they won one down the road. I would definitely recommend anyone to look up Mike Brown on YouTube. He had some pretty amazing fights. I mean, he's no matter where he's played, he's had some really good fights. But his stuff in the Western League is is pretty insane. I mean, he just he pretty much went through the league, and his battles with Scott Parker were insane. Yeah, they had great battle. Yeah, great battle. And it was it was just a it's just a different league, like especially back then. Like yeah. we had to, what, you know, we warmed up by ourselves. Like yeah, we had one team warm up and then the other team had to wait. And they had to, it was just nuts. It was just it was. Uh, <laughs> you know what those are called? Good times. Good times. Great, great times. <laughs> great times. Like best times of your life. Like yeah. And for the memories. And just to pump your tires a little bit, so you played 70 games that year. You had 174 penalty minutes and 77 points. So, yeah. what I always say, what I always say with a lot of the guys I have on here, and and even before I started the show, is guys who play physical, uh, for the most part, especially where you see it in junior and maybe where they may have gotten a, more of a chance to play in the minors, where all of you guys who play physical actually play the game it's just a question of ice time it's just a question of if the coach has confidence in you so that's one of the good things i like about doing these interviews is where i can actually say you're a point of game player you're you, you know you're over a point of game player and uh you know and it's obvious especially when we get to your next season here um that obviously this season was 
Um, you know, you, you had a nice rookie season, and then the second season you just did that plus, you know, and then some. So it seemed you upped your penalty minutes, you upped your points, and like you say, you, you uh, went a decent uh, decent distance in the playoffs. Unfortunately, you didn't win, though. So I imagine the second year you got a lot more comfortable. Oh, definitely, yeah. It's, it's just, it, it, it all starts with confidence. You know, being comfortable around the guys. We had a very young team my first year. I think we had five 16-year-olds. So it's just guys growing up. You know, we basically went in there as kids, and, you know, we grew together for four years, and we came out men. And, you know, that uh, that second year after that first round, you know, we knew we had, you know, a pretty special team here in the next few years, and we added some guys over. And it was just all about a confidence for myself and knowing that, uh, the coach had the confidence in me to put me on the power plays and, you know, play me in every situation. And, you know, I could always stick handle. I could always shoot the puck. I read the game very well and, you know, uh, just came natural and scored, uh, you know, scored some big goals and had, had a really good playoff. And unfortunately, we lost to Brandon, but, you know, that uh, that second year was definitely a stepping stone and my next two years were uh, half decent as well. Yeah, half decent is an understatement. But before we get to those years... Um, after that second season, well, I guess the question is, during that second season, um, when did the talk about you being drafted start? Now, obviously, it's not like today where I'm sure it starts in training camp for some of these guys, depending on what level they are. And uh, But for, for someone like yourself, did, did the draft talk start during the season or not until the end of the season? Well, it was, it, it was I guess, like around the middle of the season when, like, uh, the half year, the central scouting does the reports and I was always in the fourth fifth round and you know I never came from a great family background and and all that sort of stuff so that plays into it and, but uh yeah I was always I was supposed to go in the fourth round uh, I was rated I think 90th 90 to 100 and you know uh I didn't we, you know we had John Skuski we had Lance Ward we had Jesse Wallen you know, we had some big-time players that went in the first round. Zook, I think Zook went in the fourth, but Lance and, uh, and and Jesse went in the first. I was kind of uh, after that. I think the, the scouts and everyone was watching those guys on a daily night and you know, kind of had me on the back burner, I think. Well, you ended up getting drafted in the third round, 71st overall. And uh, now, obviously, at this time, unfortunately, there's no more Winnipeg Jets. Uh, so you couldn't no. get drafted by Winnipeg, but... Is getting drafted by Montreal sort of a pretty decent consolation prize? Yeah, I was. Uh, I was never. Uh, I was never a Montreal fan growing up. To tell you the truth, uh, I was. You know, I was a Jets fan. I was an Oilers fan. Uh, I never really liked Vancouver, Calgary. I didn't mind Calgary, but I was. You know, I was a Winnipeg Jets or uh, Edmonton Oilers fan. Montreal was the furthest team. I talked to them once, maybe. I had no clue what was going to, you know, I was, uh, from what my agent was telling me, San Jose was taking me in the fourth, like, eight, like, 91 or 92, and that was it, and then Montreal called me up 71st, and I almost fell over, but <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, it was a pleasant surprise, right there, they came, they, you know, they were my favorite team now, and it was, uh, it was quite an honor, I tell you that. So when you went into your first training camp with Montreal, so with a lot of guys that I interviewed that were drafted by the Islanders, and uh, we talk about their first training camps with the Islanders, um, you know, we talk about a lot of the guys came in when 
some of the dynasty guys were still here, like a Brian Trottier or Ken Morrow, Billy Smith, guys like that, and just what it's like to walk into a locker room with guys like that. Also walking into Nassau Coliseum, um, you know, four Stanley Cups. Uh, but Montreal really is, I know Toronto fans will probably say something different, but my, walking into a training camp for the Montreal Canadiens for the first time as a wide-eyed kid from Canada has to be something that is almost indescribable, no? Oh, it was, yeah, it was surreal. It was, uh, I started off with, with, with the rookie camp and oh, they bring all the rookies in and we do the rookie tournaments and all that sort of stuff. And uh, then you kind of try to earn your way to the main camp. And I didn't know what to expect. You know, as an 18-year-old, my first camp, I was obviously nervous. Uh, I had TR there at Terry Ryan. Uh, Tux, I think Darcy was still in the rookie camp back then with me. So, you know, I was knew those guys a little bit so I felt a little bit comfortable but I had a really good really good rookie camp I think I led the I led the camp in scoring in our tournament and you know I was really had a couple fights and earned my way into the main camp and you know I was just that was just a nervous wreck I went in there in in great shape really good shape I scored well on my tests and you know I thought I had a chance to make the team like that's how good my my rookie camp was and you know my main camp was not too bad I got a couple of exhibition games in it you know but probably the, the, the smartest thing for them especially back then they didn't really bring up 18 year olds you know very often like, right. unless you're like a superstar and I obviously wasn't but but uh, you know I, just just to make it to that main camp my first year was pretty special so you eventually go back to Red Deer and your numbers are insane this season. 67 games, 96 points, including 45 goals, and 145, 149 penalty minutes. Now, if it's possible, your team may have actually gotten tougher than it was the last two years because now while you lose a guy like Pete Vandermeer, you gain Stephen Pete, you still have Mike Brown, you still have Lance Ward, you still have Lloyd Shaw, you gain Stephen Pete, you gain Matt Van Horlick, and you gain the aforementioned Terry Ryan. So yeah. this season had to just be an unbelievably fun season, especially because it looks like you went pretty far in the playoffs as well. I uh, yeah, we did. We uh, we lost a Lethbridge in the in the East final, and that's they they actually went went on uh, losing to uh, I think Hull in the in the in the final of the Member Cup, but that that series could have went either way. We had a couple of bad calls against us at home. That cost us that that, uh, that series, but skill wise, tough, toughest wise, we were we were right there with with, with Lethbridge and just tough. You know, those are the even though it was like twenty some years ago, it's you know that it still bothers me. Like, that's <laughs> that's good crazy. though, <laughs> because you know it's, it's just still bothers me. But we yeah we had a great run. I had a an unbelievable playoffs. We led the team and I think I led the league in uh, in playoff scoring and. 26 points in 16 games. Pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, I think I had like 12 or 13 goals. Yeah. And, you know, I had, I had a really good really good playoff. And it all goes with confidence, you know. It just, we just came up a little short. And, you know, oh, I forgot. We also had Greg Schmidt. Yeah. Who was, who was a, a killer who was a mm-hmm. lefty. So we, had a, we had a really tough team. Really good group of guys. At any point in these first three seasons that you're playing there, was there, if I had to ask you to give me the one holy shit moment when you think back about it and it could be a brawl or it could be just 
either just a fight or whatever. Is there one thing like a, that a, a crazy Western League moment that you can remember from these first three seasons? Like, like, like no, no lie. Like we had line brawls. There was line brawls left and right. Like it was <laughs> back then. It was it, it was like a man's game. Like it was it, it was a very tough league, but. Uh, fighting wise, there's line brawls after line brawls, and it was just uh, it was just like every day, it just it, it happens. Yeah. Actually, no, no, I got a great story. Okay, I got a great one. We were playing against Calgary, and that's when uh, Graham James. Remember, everyone knows Graham. Oh yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yep. mm -hmm. He was coaching against. He was coaching the Calgary Hitman. So this is when all this stuff comes out and all blah blah blah. And our yeah. trainer Les Scott, who was my man in Red Deer, he was the assistant trainer there. And he, whatever I wanted, Les Scott, and he, you know, we just clicked. He called me Topo Gijo, like the little mouse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That was my nickname, <laughs> Topo. So uh, thank God for him. But we had a line brawl. So you know, back the benches were benches were swinging, everyone's scrapping, and then under the bench. We have Les trying to get at who who was also a prison guard in uh, in a jail just outside of Red Deer, huh. trying to trying to get at Graham James. Oh, nice! So we, yeah, so we got guys. There's cement. We were out, we got our skates on, stick swinging under the stands. Guys, uh, Les is going after Graham. It was just uh, <laughs> it was just great. It was just fun hockey. Like it was. Yeah. I know it sounds crazy, but it was it was fun. Like even in the warm-ups, mm -hmm. you know, the other team would stay on a few seconds, and we'd come out and we'd be sitting on the bench, tomahawking, swinging baseball, <laughs> swinging our sticks at these guys, you know, trying to get them off. And it was just, uh, <laughs> it was crazy, but it was. Let me tell you, it was fun. Uh, it did, was a great time. Did he end up getting his hands on Graham? I hope. I I don't know what happened. I was in, I was trying to wrestle with someone. It was just <laughs> crazy, dodging cool. sticks, but. Uh, <clears throat> I, I do think he threw one of the big heavy sticker racks at him somehow. But it, was, <laughs> it was good stuff. Well, you don't have to say it. I know it sounds crazy because I'm pretty sure anybody listening to this is, is on our, not on our side, but pretty much gets it, and that's part of the reason why they're listening. So uh, it's pretty, it's good for all of us. Uh, you know, we're, we're more old school uh, on this show anyway. So that's oh, good. Yeah. Now, uh, when you go back to your second camp with Montreal, now you already said your first camp, you, you actually thought you had a legitimate chance to make the team. So um, you come off that camp, you have a great season in Red Deer, and now you're going into your second camp. So do you go in there with any sort of confidence and not so much like a cockiness because you're still a, a second-year player, say, with uh, going into Montreal. It's not like you're walking into, say, Atlanta or anything. But yeah. did you walk in with maybe thinking, if I do what I need to do, I can make this team? I I just went in there just thinking, you know, I'm going to do whatever I can to make this team. And, you know, I was uh, I was friendly with uh, with Noof. I was friendly with Tux. And, you know, you got to do what you got to do. I had... Actually, ended up me and Tux ended up fighting. I think in one of the one of the exhibitions, and you know, it was just something that you have to do. Sometimes you got to fight your friends, and you got to fight your loved ones to get to where you want to be. And you know, we had a we had a, a good tilt, and you know, just didn't uh, didn't quite have the camp I wanted to, and got sent back to junior, which was probably the best thing for me. 
and he went back there and you know put up some decent numbers and uh, tried to help that team win a Memorial Cup. But once again, we came up short. Well, and by decent numbers, he means scoring 92 points in 67 games, including 43 goals. Again, 150 plus penalty minutes. So, um, and I got to ask you about a guy um, who was drafted by the Islanders. He's a European guy, and f- from the limited highlights I've seen of him, he plays. He played sort of rough for a European player, and you played with him that last year in Red Deer, and that's Robert Schnabel. Do you have any memories of him? Schnabel, yeah, yeah. Huh? I love Schnabel. Yeah, big, big D man. He had a good shot. And he was. He, he played the game hard. He, yeah, you know, a lot of Czech players play the game hard like mm-hmm. they're like the Finns the Finns play the game hard they're you know they he came in there and you know he did his job yeah. I, I, I don't know if I fought him or not mm-hmm. I can't remember if I ended up fighting him in my in the minors or not but good guy really yeah. good guy you know for those guys coming in from a different country is at, at that age it has to be tough on them but he adjusted well we had him and there's another check that came with him and you know, was, uh, he did well for himself, Schnapps. Good. I think he got a few games in the show too, didn't he? Yeah, I think with Phoenix he played a couple yeah. of games. I think he yeah. was uh, he was at in at least one training camp with the Islanders because I know he played in a few of the rookie games. Um, I don't think he ever got in any of the main exhibition games, and he definitely didn't uh, play any any games uh, for the big club. But I know that eventually when he went to Phoenix, I know he was pretty much a regular with Springfield, and I think he did get a few games in with the Coyotes. So. Good for him, you know. I'm always, yeah. uh, I'm always happy for guys like that. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, that work hard and get their, uh, get their chance. So, um, this year in Red Deer, the only fight I've seen from this season is a fight you had with Jason Beckett, a tough, tough player from Seattle. I don't know if you remember that fight yeah. or not. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that one. I think, uh, I think Donnie uh, Knockbar was screaming at him to come and, uh, to come and fight <laughs> me. I think we had a couple, a uh, couple of games. Uh, uh, Conversations uh, when I, when, uh, when he used to coach against me, but uh, yeah, we had a I had a really good fight with him. And he was a bigger guy, but I think he was uh, he was a younger kid. Yeah, he kind of came and initiated, and uh, you know, do what I do and mm-hmm. stuck in there and battled it out, and you know, it was uh, it was a good fight. A couple other names from your card that year. Now I didn't see any of these fights, so I don't know how they went or whatever, but. I guess some of the bigger names on the card would be uh, Kirby Law from Brandon, uh, Drew Keller from Regina, who you fought twice, and uh, Clint Kavanaugh from Regina also. Uh, anything notable about any of those scraps? Oh, geez, those were so long ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I have to ask, I, though. Yeah, you know, back, usually my fights back then were like kind of like how I fought now. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of going there hoping for the best. So usually guys are usually a lot bigger than me because I wasn't the biggest guy in junior. Yeah. But uh, I knew how to fight. I, mm-hmm. you know, I did it on the streets growing up, and I grew up with three brothers, so I had a lot of fighting, <laughs> a lot of fighting for food and uh, everything else. So, uh, but me and Cabana, me and me and Cabana had a lot of, a lot of good fights. I think he was with Medicine Hat too. My first year, we had a really good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Willis, me and Willie always had oh. a good one with, uh, with Swift Current. Yeah, I love Jeremy that guy. Thompson. Yeah, actually, Jeremy Thompson fought him a few times too. And, you know, guys yeah. were uh, tough boys, tough yeah. Westerners. I tell you that. No, you just like it brings a tear to my eye when you start rattling off those names. You know, these are this is classic stuff, and uh, it's the kind of thing that uh, 
newer fans and you know fans of today that prefer the today's game to the yeah you know you'll never understand uh you know like when you rattle off those names and it's just like wow you know like tyler willis is a guy that i remember seeing play a bunch in uh, worcester and just, just a warrior tough as nails smaller guy like man oh man like i, I watch i'll watch that guy play any day of the week you know and oh yeah the, the Thompsons, I mean, that's a classic hockey family there, you know. Rocky is going to end up being a head coach in the NHL at some point. So, oh, for sure. You know, it's just, uh, you know, you're rattling off those names. It's just, you know, good times, good Canadian boys. And uh, you just, they're easy to root for. It's just easy guys to root for. It's just, uh, it's sad that, you know, we're losing guys like that now. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, just, it's a different game. You yeah. Know? And it's, uh, it's unfortunate. I do. Uh, I do still still think there should be good forces. Yeah. I think the concussions would be down. I think there wouldn't be uh, as much cheap shots and all that sort of stuff. But I was preaching that when I was playing, getting rid yeah. of the instigator role and, yeah. and all that stuff. But uh, you know, that's just the way I grew up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the way uh, the way I was raised. Yeah. So. At the end of the playoffs with Red Deer, uh, that's when you get uh, called up to Fredericton, I imagine, right? Yeah. So you played two games with Fredericton, two points, a goal and assist, uh, and you played with some characters in Fredericton. Um, I, I kind of view Terry as the bridge. I kind of view, like, before Terry, it was, you know, they had Brad Brown and Dion Darling and Jerry Fleming, and then Terry was there, and then... Steve, Terry, Derek. Yeah, right, and then those guys went... You know, we like Jerry got Jerry became a coach. Dion Darling moved on to the IHL, I believe. Brad Brown ended up in Montreal, and then all of a sudden, this new wave of guys come in, which we'll touch base on in a few minutes. Uh, but I got to ask you about. I, I love, absolutely love Jerry Fleming. Um, yeah, a huge fan is. I mean, just, I mean, forget uh, as a person, just an unbelievable person. As a player, I mean, as tough as they come, scary, scary tough. Um, what were your first impressions of Jerry as a player? Because I know later he became your assistant coach, but as a player, what were your impressions of Jerry? Oh, Jerry was—he was a monster. Like he was literally—he was huge. Yeah. But uh, I, I only got to play with him for two two games. I yeah. Think. And uh, I actually set up his last professional hockey goal. Yeah. And Freddie. Mm-hmm. So uh, we kind of had you know had that. Kind of moment together, he spit mm-hmm. in my face. He was so happy. <laughs> he, came and, he, came, he came up to like, hey, good pass, and like, literally spit in my face. But <laughs> I, I, I loved him. You know, uh, as a player, he was obviously no mess with him. He was tough as nails. Yeah. And then as an assistant coach, you know, it, it was my, it was still my rookie year. Mm-hmm. You know, but Jerry was always good with me, and you know, he was always, uh, you know little leaning on me always you know knew that the boys were uh were up to no good whenever we we're on the road or whenever we we're at home especially with pr and, you know we had a good group of guys in freddie so it was great you know it's you know it's kind of special me setting up his last goal and you know he's still where is he coaching now is he still in in the east coast or is he somewhere else now i, I haven't talk to him in a while. No, you know what? I'm not sure actually, and uh, I want to ask TR about that because I'd love to reconnect with him. Uh, just to, to give people an idea what kind of guy Jerry Fleming is. Uh, so I got to know Jerry a little bit during his time with Fredericton, and, and eventually <laughs> eventually in Fredericton they retired his number. 
and they have a nice ceremony, a uh, number retirement ceremony, and uh, I had seen them in Philadelphia after that, and we were talking about it, and I just said, yeah, in passing, I just said, man, I wish I could have seen that. I'd love to see it. And it just says, write down your address. I wrote down my address, and literally when Fredericton got back from the road trip, probably two weeks, three weeks later, there was a VHS tape in the mail of the whole retirement ceremony, and it was just, like, I just oh, thought that absolutely. typical Jerry, like, it's just, he's just that yeah. kind of guy. It was... You know, just a, a nice guy. He's just an easy guy to root for, and uh, you know. So, I guess what I want to the net it brings me to my next question. So, anyone that um, everybody knows Terry Ryan now. I mean, everybody. He's an author. Um, he has his own podcast. He, he had a podcast. Now he has another podcast. Tr is everywhere. He's such a personality. And it's like dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> and if you know Tr, and if you know of Tr. You certainly know his history with your first professional coach, Michelle Terry. And yeah. because I got to know quite a few of you guys in Fredericton and later Quebec, I know most of the guys that I would chat with didn't really care for Michelle Terry. Uh, what were what did you think of Michelle Terry? Uh, Michelle actually wasn't that bad. He mm-hmm. tried, you know, he tried doing the, the imitate, you know, trying to intimidate me and. You know, I have your career in the palm of my hand. Mm. I can squish it whenever, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I I just went and played hard. He knew I fought. He, you know, he liked that part of the game. Well, I just went out there and played. And, and I fought and I played the game hard. And, you know, I didn't really have a problem with what uh, <laughs> PR used to just, oh, mm. just fuck with him all the time. And, <laughs> and especially, we're in Montreal. We, we, this is when Michelle takes over. He's the head coach. Mm-hmm. I think we're in camp. Mm-hmm. We, we have an exhibition game somewhere. We're, so anyways, we're fine. And the rookies are always at the front of the plane and front of the bus, blah, blah, blah. So we pull up in Montreal. We land. We take the shuttle bus to the terminal. And we jump on and we're going to the terminal. And Montreal, when you're, I think we're coming from the States because that's their customs. And there's this, out, there's this escalator, this, this walking escalator that is, it's like three football fields. It's just so <laughs> long. The TR has the great idea that we're first, we're up, we're up, we're going. He gets in front of the coaches. And doesn't he freaking shut off the only escalator? <laughs> he shuts it off. And we keep walking. We get, we jump on. We get through the airport. We get into onto the team bus that's going to take us back to our cars or whatever. So he, we get on there. I'm shaking my head. He's like, "Oh, do you think I'm gonna? Do you, you think they're gonna catch me? Do you think it's gonna?" I was like, "Dude, you're getting so much lucky. Like, dude, you're you're an idiot." <laughs> so, anyways, Terry gets on the fucking bus, along with the veterans. We're fucking yeah. pissed too. Yeah, because they're cause they all gotta walk with their suitcases and shit. Right. And <laughs> we get on the bus and fucking, and they start fucking giving it to us. Like, who the fuck? Blah blah blah. Who did this? Karen gets on. He's a pack a day, right? Like yeah. he, he would smoke in the dressing room. He'd smoke in the bus. Yeah. <laughs> like we're on a on a ten hour bus ride. Oh. He's dark. He's dark in the front. Oh fuck. What? What? We didn't care because we yeah. were in the back playing cards and drinking and darting too. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. We, so like no one knew. It was just a big cloud of smoke. Like it was ridiculous. Mm. But yeah, but TR fucking shot off that escal- uh, that escalator and oh my god, he was. Reading down, reading down. But that's TR. He, what did, he does it? He does it for stories. Like he, he, 
I, I, I love the guy. Did um, Did Terry find out it was him? Oh yeah, as soon as they got the yeah, as soon as we got on, they knew. They knew I wouldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it was me and Tr that were like leading the group. So, you know, what Ash wouldn't do it, but Tr probably would. For sure. <laughs> so, so I have to ask about because we've spoken about Jerry and and uh, like I said, we know how uh, the relationship that Tr had with. We'll call him Mike. I know he calls him Mike. So, um, yeah. so I guess my question is, I know a lot of coaches. They are, and I found out some guys have said this about Ken Hitchcock, where if he can get all the guys in the team to hate him, it kind of rallies the team around in a united front that they all think the coach is an asshole. And even though you said that you really didn't have a problem with him, but it seemed like a lot of guys may have. And yeah, I, I'm wondering if that well, the dynamic it seemed like was a good one in Fredericton because you had let's just even say if it was half the team thought that Mike was a fucking asshole. But then you had Jerry there, and yeah. I, I guess that's a, it's a pretty good, it's a perfect example of say good cop, bad cop because you know here's a guy Jerry just just retired now he's an assistant coach he knows what the boys do on the road and he knows yeah. that and I'm sure he knows that half the team if not more hates Mike's guts so I guess that the, it was actually probably the perfect coaching dynamic to have where Jerry you probably couldn't have had a better guy as an assistant coach. Um, to kind of offset the head coach having that dynamic with Mike and Jerry Fleming. Is that uh, oh, safe to say? For sure. You're like, thank God for Jerry, you know, because a lot of guys weren't a big fan of Michelle Perry, of, of Mike. Yeah. You know, like a lot of guys weren't. Mm-hmm. He had his favorite. He played his favorite. You know, it's just, just the way he was. But, you know, uh, we, we had uh, Moose, Dave the Moose Morissette, Mm-hmm. Yeah, with us in uh, with with the Citadels and uh, and Terrian was terrified of it. Is that right? Ter- terrified. He wouldn't have a meeting with Moose unless Jerry Fleming was in the the room with him because Moose fucking would kill him. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, but it's my first year. Yeah, yeah. We're with this is a this is what I'll tell you the story, boys. A, a Michelle Terry story. Okay. So, anyways, we're in playoffs. We're playing the St. John's Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. We're with Freddie, so it's, you know it's a big robbery. They got uh, Bird Dog. They got uh, Doherty's probably there, right? Yeah. They, yeah, they got Doherty. They got uh, DJ Max Smith. DJ Smith. Yeah. You know they got a tough team. Mm-hmm. We got you know Morissette, myself. We have uh, Darcy Harris. Darcy Harris. Gordy. Ward, yeah, we had TR. Yeah, we had a tough Morse. Like we had a tough Sylvan Blue. I think mm-hmm. came in. Yep. You know, we had a, we had a tough team, and you know, we go to we actually go to St. John's. We win the first two games there, so we think get and back then they're best of five. Yeah. So like we, we're going home, we're gonna win one game. Like we got, they end up coming home, they beat us both games at home so we mm. got to go back to the Rock for game five but uh, I think during that year one of their players Mark Dayell yeah famous, mm-hmm. lost an eye yes yes to a high stick mm-hmm. they had Lonnie Bahanas who was really good friends they're both from Winnipeg so I guess uh, the night of uh, the night before game five Michelle Perriams at the bar some of the St. John guys are out drinking the night before the game Bahanas was at least and then they get into an argument with 
Michelle Terrian and Terrian says, you know, yeah, I'm glad your buddy, I'm glad Dale's eye was lost. This, this, this is what, you know. Oh. So anyways, Lonnie Bahanas punches him. Yeah. So cops, blah, blah, cops are called. The next day we have him on skate and he comes in with a fucking black eye. <laughs> so we have a, we have a, t- a closed door team meeting and he's crying. He's scared for his wife and his kids for some reason. Like, that's what started off. Like, <laughs> I'm scared, like Lonnie behind. Like I'm scared of for my family. Yeah. Like, anyways, yeah. Anyways, game five, we got the troops fucking riled up, and that morning skate, Bird Dog, like uh, the Leafs were uh, warming up first. Bird Dog stays on the ice, and we're trying to come on oh. the ice, and he's taking fuck, he's taking slap shots at our bench. <laughs> slap shots, yeah. Like hot, like letting them go. Guys are jumping, ducking down. He finally gets off, and we ended up playing that night. Police escort from our hotel, 10 cop cars following the bus. Shit. Back to the old, like the old friggin', the old ring. Yeah. It was an awesome ring. Yeah. Jam-packed. It was, what a game. We ended up winning 2-1. to one. But it was, let me tell you, that was, it was unreal. But that was, yeah, that's Michelle Terry got the, I don't know how he did it, but, uh, you got punched out the night before and cried in the pregame meeting, and we ended up winning two to one. <laughs> well, I was going to say he did something right. Oh, well, I was going to say before you brought him up, I was going to say he's lucky it was Lonnie Bahias, Bahanas and not Bird Dog in the bar that night because I don't know if he walks in with just a black eye if it's Bird Dog. Oh, Bird Dog, he's done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he may not say it to Bird Dog. He may not make the comment to Bird Dog. So maybe it's different, but. Uh, yeah, the one thing about Bird Dog is the guy was uh, for as big of a heart as he, a uh, big of a uh, heart as he had, uh, he's definitely a guy I'd want in my corner defending me, and I think he would have probably ripped Terry apart that night. Oh, he was, yeah, he was, he's a crazy man. Yeah. He, was, he wasn't that bad of a hockey player either, you know. He was gonna, no. a good D man. No, not at all. Hard I mean, knows. there there's so many bird dog stories out there you know it's just you could really do a full show on just guys telling stories about him but no oh, i mean for sure he, he's definitely a, a decent decent enough player to stay in the nhl yeah. and uh, yeah, he played, yeah yeah and tough you know crazy you know tough and crazy which yeah. if, if you're not on his team is a bad combo but uh but exactly. just talk about if you don't mind that that team you played on so uh we mentioned some of the guys obviously tr uh, Blue Ann is on that team. Moose Marset's on that team. Uh, Alan Nazardine, who got a few games with the Islanders, on that team. Uh, yeah, Dar- yeah, Darcy Harris, probably one of the most underrated fighters, guys who fought in ever because he's so t- tough as nails. And uh, Gordy Dwyer and yourself, all on one team. And actually, you had a guy that was kind of small, but guy never backed down, and that's Francis Bouillon. Oh, Frankie Boo. Yeah. Pete Gronk. <laughs> We had we had a really 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 tough team. Like we it was it was actually ridiculous. Yeah. That, you know, looking back at, at that lineup, like how many legit tough guys we had. Mm-hmm. You know, and we made it to uh, I believe we lost to, to uh, Providence in the in the finals in the East. And it was just uh, hard nosed hard nosed hockey. Like that's that's the way they played, and Terry and loved that game, and Flemmer loved that game, and uh, you know we went in there and you know, we beat the crap out of you. I we think beat the shit out of you, and then uh, you know take two points and 
but we didn't start off good. Like we we went on like a twelve game losing streak beginning of the year. Oh, was that right? It was, it, yeah, it was it was tough sledding. Like we, you know, I, I don't know what it was, but we couldn't friggin' win a game if our life depended on it. And I, I, I don't know what happened. I, I think Theo came got sent back down from Montreal and kind of just snowballed from there, and we ended up going on a pretty damn good run. You uh, that season you got called up. So your first game. Well, first of all, how did you learn that the Montreal Canadiens were calling you up? Uh, it was after. Was it after the Philadelphia game? It was after one of the games we played in Montreal. Mm-hmm. I uh, we beat the Phantoms three to one. I had two goals and an assist. I had a pretty good game. Nice. Uh, and uh, just went back to Freddie, and I think it was we had a day off the next day, and missing a hangover, and I got a call <laughs> saying, you know, you're going to go up, and you know, nervous as hell, but but yeah. excited. And, yeah. Went up there. I was actually up there for about a month and a half. I think I ended up playing like seven games. Yeah. And then just uh, you know trying to get trying to get in as much experience as I can and watching and learning and uh, you know I had Shane Corson as my roommate my first year and which was uh, which was quite interesting and uh, <laughs> I had Killer a couple of years after Doug Gilmore was my was my other roommate so I I had two pretty good uh, pretty good veterans that. Uh, you know, really took a really took a liking to me, and uh, you know, really looked after me. Uh, that's not, not a pretty. That's not a bad pair of guys to have watching over you there. No, yeah, <laughs> Killer was, uh, you know, of course was, you know, definitely looked after me, and you know, I actually played on the line for the for the games I was called up, and mm-hmm. you know, gave me a lot of advice, and told me to uh, my first NHL fight. He told me he's like, here, go fight that guy, and you know, and to do well, and, yeah, you know. So I ended up going and fighting Barahowski, Drake Barahowski, and mm-hmm. gave it to him pretty good, and kind of uh, kind of learned as I went. And it was uh, definitely great times. So that first season, though, when you played the seven games, you actually didn't didn't have any fights, and you know, no. obviously, it, it's it's the easiest way to, to say get noticed because sometimes a goal isn't there, a big hit isn't there, uh, so you didn't have any fights. But my question is, for those first seven games. Did something almost happen? Like, was it close? Uh, did was anything close to happening, or just it didn't present itself in those first seven games? I'm sure I was asking. Yeah, I'm sure I was asking guys. But you know, I I was so nervous back then. You know, guys, you know, back you wouldn't give me the time of day, and yeah. you know, you kind of had to earn your stripes. And uh, I wasn't gonna go jump a friggin' right friggin' super heavyweight. Mm-hmm. You know, guys. You know, yeah, I was. Uh, 5'10", 5'11", 195 pounds. I wasn't the biggest guy, but... Mm-hmm. So, but I was just, just learning and banging the body and finishing my checks, and, yeah, it was strange. Never really got the, never really got the opportunity to, uh, to fight. Yeah. So, when you go to the next season, you go to training camp in 99-2000, uh, I would imagine you had to have a good camp because now you've made the Montreal Canadiens at a training camp. What... What is that like? Is it's you know like you played seven games a year before you got called up, you paid your dues in the minors, you get called up for seven games. Now from training camp, they tell you you've made the opening night roster. Uh, is that a dream come true? Well, it's definitely something that you've been you know up to that point playing your whole life for, and uh, it was you know definitely an honor. But you know back then they would have you in the hotel until they until they tell you to go find an apartment. Yeah. I went up in 
early July to go train. Mm-hmm. So I was up there training. I trained till camp, and I was in the hotel. And, you know, I was in the hotel, and Christmas came. And I was in the hotel, and, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, March came. And I was a, I was a healthy scratch. I, I got healthy scratch a lot that year. I mean, you're I, in the ho- it's March and you're before, still in the hotel. Still in the hotel. Oh my God. And I I was a healthy scratch. And then Ray John came in and was like, hey, I was talking with Reggie. And I think it was, yeah, it was Reggie at the time. And he was like, oh, how's the place? And I was like, what? He was like, find yourself a place, right? And I was like, no, I'm still in the hotel. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, I'm in the hotel. He's like, okay, you go find yourself a place. <laughs> I found a place for like two months and <laughs> lived there just over the summer. And uh, yeah, that's, I was in there for like eight months. I literally had the same, my last interview was with Robbie DeMaio. And yeah. he basically said verbatim the same story you just told, except switch out Canadians for Islanders, but talk about staying in a hotel. And his story was that he was in the hotel. I mean, you know, the Marriott right across yep. the parking lot from the Coliseum. And he said one day Al Arbor just asked him about it, and he goes, I'm still at the hotel. So it's just funny that this is back-to-back episodes of guys who just the brass assumes you got a place and you're still at the hotel. I think you were, I mean, you were basically in the hotel for almost the whole season, but that's yeah, well, hilarious. Back then, like, I, I wasn't seeing anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm up, like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're paying for it, so I'm living rent-free. Like, yeah. Uh, I'm not saying anything. Like, what if I say, hey, can I get a house? A, a house and they say no you can go to the miners so I just kept my mouth shut <laughs> they could say wait you're still here wait a second yeah, yeah, yeah exactly mm-hmm. so I, I lo- by the way I, I, I love Robbie DeMaio I, uh, how could I you love not watching. Oh. he's killer oh I mean I, uh, he's really uh, I'm sorry we're talking to over you go you're the guest no 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 yeah. I, I just I, I just loved his game he was uh, he would fight anyone he was tough as nails I, I really liked him as a player we were um, we were talking about um, he's ha- he had uh, four regular season fights with the Islanders and I had told him you know you know this but when he played when he was first came to the Islanders there it was pre internet it was pre YouTube it was pre everything so I knew about him just from what I might read in the hockey news or stat packs or anything like that uh, and I knew he didn't mind dropping the gloves but you know I, I didn't know you know how well he would do it and I told yeah. him I'll never forget. Uh, being at the Coliseum the fir- for his first fight where he, he fought Al Secord of Toronto. And I was like, I think you opened up a lot of people's eyes in that fight. Like for myself, I, I still get goosebumps thinking about it because I remember sitting in the stands going, holy shit, this guy will just fight anybody, you know? Yeah, Secord uh, was tough too. Yeah, exactly. That's the yeah. thing. Yeah. And and, um, and then his, uh, in 91-92, he had three fights. And the second fight is probably the one that uh, most Islander fans remember for, and that's when he went toe to toe with Darren Kimball. And yeah. you know everybody knows how tough Kimby is, and uh, yeah. and I yeah. mean it's just guys like Robbie, you know, guys like yourself. It, it's just you, you know because you're not like a spe- you know, Robbie is smaller than you, but because you you're not say six two six three, but you play like you're six five six six. Uh, I think that's why you guys instantly become fan favorites because. All you do is work hard, and and it's blood and guts, and it's lunch pal, and you know it's the kind of thing where not everybody say can relate to a guy like Mario Lemieux or Dennis Savard or a fancy player like that. But a blue collar guy can relate to the game that Rob DeMaio plays, can relate to the game that you play. So I think that's why guys like you and Robbie and 
and every, all the other guys in the same ilk uh, become fan favorites because for blue-collar people, we can relate to that style of game, and we appreciate uh, what you guys do. So, um, you know, I'm not surprised that you appreciate Rob DeMaio's game. I think uh, only fancy-pants European fans maybe not appreciate that. But, <laughs> but uh, no, I love him. But a couple other guys who I, um, I think people appreciate, I know I certainly do, uh, that you played with in Montreal that season. You had already mentioned Shane Corson. Uh, one guy who I think really goes under the radar as far as toughness goes, as sneaky tough, as Scott Thornton. And, uh, 30, yeah. Yeah, and another guy you played with who I love the guy. I love the guy. And uh, I'd pay to watch this guy play and fight every night of the week. Never, oh, never get cheated, always get your money's worth. And that was Jimmy Cummins. Oh, yeah, Max, yeah. <laughs> yeah I had uh... Thornton was my uh, was my roommate on uh, I got a funny Thornton story. Uh, we were going on the West Coast, and this is back when you had to take commercial flights. We weren't we weren't chartering back then. Like that's how old I'm getting. <laughs> so we're in Montreal. We're going to San Jose. We land in San Jose. We play them the next night, and Thornton and Brad Marchand are our mushy Brad Marchand are we're good buddies. Yeah. So we go out do our things and then he goes out with uh with mush with, with mushy and uh they get out of pretty good mm-hmm. he comes home i don't know what time but he's leaking he's got a blaze he's got a cut over his eye so we're sure that they're scrapping somewhere <laughs> probably he is he is crushed yeah like we leave in like an hour and a half and he barfed all over my shaving kit <laughs> all over his he's he's got it's he's a mess and I love starting. Yeah. So I, I, I was still, I was a rookie, so I just made sure that he got up, and I made sure that his bags and I, we got everything packed and mm-hmm. got him downstairs. But he had a definitely had a rough trip. Uh, he, <laughs> I, he, he he was in a middle seat, and the people beside him I felt for him because he must have stunk like booze. Oh. <laughs> but he was uh, yeah he, he he definitely had a good night. I I would love to know what happened that night with him, but. Uh, so yeah, that was my uh, authority story, and he was tough as nails too. Yeah, like I say, underrated. I don't think people expect it, but if you go on YouTube, and like I remember, he's had a couple of really good fights with Gerald Diddick uh, that stand out, and just you don't think about it. I mean, he's a solid player, and he's never the heavyweight on the team. But then when you watch him, you're like, oh shit, this guy can uh, he can throw him pretty good and, and take a oh, few yeah. too. Yeah. Oh yeah, he threw him really well. Yeah, he's a big boy. Yeah. Four twenty, I think, with San Jose. Oh, I'm sure. I'm you sure. Know, yeah, so you, I love Florida and Kong. Jimmy, I love yeah. Jimmy. He was, he was definitely, uh, he went hard. He didn't, didn't matter who he was fighting. He, he went in there. He went in there hard. And, you know, I learned from him. I learned from, uh, Florida, of course. You know, I had a lot of, uh, a lot of guys that I, uh, you know, that I learned a lot of, a lot from, uh, my first few years. So does it help when you're on a team? So you, we talk about veteran guys like Shane Corson and, and Jim Cummins. You also have some guys play a similar style that you played with or against in the Western League. Like we had mentioned, TR uh, Turner Stevenson is there from Seattle. Sheldon Sore yeah. is there. Uh, does that make the whole adjustment easier? Because even though you know, like you played against these guys, now they're on your same team and they're familiar faces. Uh, does that make the whole thing easier? Oh, definitely. You know. Uh Especially, you know, your first few camps, you always had your Western boys together, your OHL guys together, your Q guys together. So, you know, the, you always had your little cliques. And, uh, you know, the Western boys, 
stick together. They look after their kind, and you know, same thing with uh, with, with the other leagues. You know, guys, uh, older guys, veterans that came from you know mm. that league. You know, they kind of have a special bond with, which was uh, which is nice. And you know, I was just lucky enough we had a we had a lot of OHL, a lot of WHL guys, and you know, we have a uh, we had a uh, we had a pretty good crew over there. I tell you that, a lot of fun. Um, speaking of WHL guys, you fought a guy this year from the WHL who later became a teammate, um, and obviously I'm a huge fan of this guy, and I think you ended up fighting him twice uh, in your career, uh, and that's Dave Scatcherd. Uh, yeah, so Scatcherd. Do you remember the fights you had with Scatcherd, or, or it's too oh, far? Yeah. yeah. No, no, I, I, I definitely remember that one. He, uh, he took a run at me, and I was surprised because I... I, I played against Scatchin Jr. in Southie, but he, I guess he played in the West. I was in the East, so yeah. you know, I, I I don't know if he if he didn't know that I was, uh, I, you know, I could handle myself, and and he took a run after me behind the net, and he, and I gave him a hook, and I was like, you want to <laughs> go? And he kind of looks at me like, yeah, for sure, thinking he's gonna, you know, thinking he's gonna hammer me and. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a yeah. good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we you know we had a good good tilt, and I threw him, got him down at the end with a couple of solid punches. And, and our next one, uh, our next one, he knew. Yeah. You know, he was, he was he didn't come in like he did last time, and we had a decent fight our, our last one. It wasn't nothing like our first one, but uh, yeah. but yeah. But I love Scats too. Yeah. I always, I always bug them about it too. I ended up playing with them. <laughs> yeah, which is which is always nice, you know, rubbing it in. Oh, for sure. It's always better to be on the giving end of that one. Oh uh, yeah, exactly <laughs> for sure. Uh, now, it, also in the season, there was uh, you had you went after Ian LePerriere, uh, who was with LA at the time, and that was because of something earlier in the season that involved Brian Savage, correct? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, it was a open ice hit. Uh, Lappy uh, hit Savvy, uh, ended up breaking his uh, breaking his neck, and uh, it was just you know Lappy was my was in my weight class, mm-hmm. and, you know uh, he knew it was going to happen, like guaranteed he knew he was going to have to fight someone, yeah. and I'm sure he, it was either me or Cummins, yeah. So uh, I got uh, yeah had a little dust up with him and. Caught him with a with a pretty uh, pretty solid right and put him down and and that was that and uh, you know I ended up playing with Lappy and uh, in Philly and yeah. great guy great teammate another guy that would uh, fight anyone and do anything for your team and uh, it was uh, part of the job mm-hmm. you know he, he knew it I knew it and you know uh, it's uh, coming with the territory and and I think what people don't realize is I think you what you said was perfect. He knew he was going to have to fight somebody that night. So, yeah. to me, it makes sense. So, he knows going into that game, someone's coming after me. So, yeah. what does he do? He fights you. And then, you know what? Yeah. It's over. Yeah. It's over. Like, he, he knew he was going to be held accountable. You you held him accountable. You had the fight. You clean your hands, and that's it. And it's over. And then it doesn't continue. It, it, yeah. it's, to me, it's just the law of the jungle. And, and it amazes me when people don't quite get that. Because then if... If if you do something stupid and you don't answer the bell, what it does is it just it carries on, and, and you know the type of guy that Lappy is, too, yeah, like, yeah, knowing that he hurt Savvy, like yeah. that must have been killing him. Sure, like for sure he was. You know it probably 
you probably couldn't wait for that game to come and you know to you know to end up fighting just so it could you know it just it's guaranteed he felt guilt. He felt he must. He had to felt awful about it. Just the type of guy he is. Yeah. But you know, some guys would you know would you know be happy about it. Like who knows? Yeah. Just, that's not laughing. He, he plays the game hard. Yes, but not to a point where he wants to hurt someone. But so I'm sure after that fight, he's probably you know a load off his chest. You know, it's over. It's done with. Now he can sweep it under the rug and, and continue on. You know, so. So. Do you remember your first NHL goal? Yes, I do. I had two that game. Well, you weren't supposed to spoil it, but uh, oh, so that's sorry. okay. <laughs> that's okay. But tell me about your first one. Oh, my first goal. I actually, Patrick Lilleem, Ottawa Senators. It was, uh, I, I believe I had like a partial breakaway and a uh, fake high glove and I went to my backhand and, and, and snuck it in and I talked to my dad after. It's a funny story. I talked to my dad after, and he's like, I knew it. I knew you were scoring this game. <laughs> I was like, why? Like, how did you know? Because when I was younger, I used to call ice cream Lillian. Like, where's, where's my Lillian? Like, that's how I would say ice cream. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and I was a big grandma's boy, and, you know, was, where's my Lillian? And when my dad found out that Patrick Lillian was playing, he's like, you're scoring that game. And I ended up getting two, which was crazy. So yeah, that was a little uh, a little funny story. But as soon as I called him after the game, he was like, he he's like, I knew your story in that game, my boy. I knew it. Blah blah blah. He told me the story, which was pretty cool. Well, what else is cool is that you scored your first NHL goal, but then your second NHL goal was in the same game, and it was actually shorthanded. Oh, was it? Yes. What was I doing on the PK? It must have been a shift <laughs> change. You didn't hear him pulling yeah. you off, and you just stayed on. Snuck out there. Well, but, uh, according to the box score, it was shorthanded. So, yeah, I guess I was playing. Uh, I guess I was playing the PK a little bit. Yeah, why not? Okay. Right. My my second one, I, I remember it was like a, it was a dump in, and I ended up I think winning a battle and kind of brought it to the net, and somehow snuck it under his pad, and you know it was uh, definitely one of the you know a night that I'll never forget. My first uh, first two goal game, my first goal, and. You know, it was, uh, it was definitely special. Where is the puck? Uh, I actually have it in storage in Florida. Florida? Yeah, it's in, the, it's in my it's in my father-in-law's place. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, I have, so, I have so much stuff. I was like, I have to start putting stuff away. So. I got you. You know, that stuff means, uh, you know, once I get, you know, my, my uh, permanent big home that I want to build, I know I'll start putting everything up in there, but... You know, they're special to me, but, uh, you know, stuff doesn't mean too much to me. Well, as long as you know where it is. Exactly. It's yeah. not like it's, you know, collecting. Well, I'm sure it's collecting dust, but it's nice, <laughs> nice, wrapped up nicely, let's put it that way. Very nice. Along with all my jerseys and all my other stuff. So. Yeah, well, if you ever want to get rid of any of that stuff, just uh, let me know. I know someone will take it off your hands. Oh, uh, you don't have to talk to my boys about that one and my girls. Yeah, well, I know, I know, I have competition <laughs> for that. So, uh, no, that's where it should go. So, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, Montreal moved their farm team, and they're not in Fredericton anymore. So they're now playing in Quebec City for the Citadels. And uh, you played with uh, someone who went on to certain renown in the uh, Quebec Senior League that year, and that's Joel the Animal Terrio. 
Yeah. Do you have any memory? I have a memory of Joel Terrio. I'll tell you mine first because it's more funny than anything. Um, yes. I, there was a game in Springfield. Now, I don't know if you were there. I can't remember if you were in Springfield or not. Uh, I don't know if you remember. Darcy Harris had an insane fight with David Bell that night of Springfield. Um, Joel and Gordy were scratched. So once they uh, once they made their way to the stands, I found I found them, and we were bullshitting having uh, some of Springfield's best hot dogs. And uh, we ended up talking about uh, Mike. And uh, Joel said, we were talking about it, and Joel goes, he must really hate me because I don't play and I'm French. So <laughs> he goes, I'm French and I can't get in the lineup. He must really hate me. So uh, so I, I only met Joel at one time. Uh, obviously, yeah. you know, the one time I met him, really, really nice guy. Um, awesome guy. Really uh, found his niche in the Quebec Senior League, though. I mean, just yeah. an absolute killer up there. Um, do you have any memories of uh, the animal? Oh yeah, yeah. We uh, we a lot of time on the bus. Like we mm-hmm. spend a lot of time. We would always make stops and stop and get a bite to eat. And so we used to. I, I used to always do stupid shit like uh, grab a can of cat food <laughs> and I uh, would go around and I'd say, "Hey boys, you know, chip in here. Oh. See how much money we can get raised." To see who would eat this, because like back, like we were making a lot of money back then, like fifty-five thousand Canadian, half of it was going to taxes. So yeah. you know we weren't making a ton of money. So guys would do a lot of stupid shit for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for stuff. Like uh, so, we ended up raising like three hundred American dollars, and we got and Joel Terrio, yeah, cracked open the can and ate a can of Fancy Feet. Oh. Stunk up, stunk up the whole bus. <laughs> but he pounded, he pounded back a can of ca- uh, fancy feast with like the jelly on top. Like oh, it was legit. I'm gonna throw yeah, up. That was, that was, yeah, that was my memory of uh, of the animal. But what a tough guy! Like he came in and you know he's, he was he was an animal. Joel, he was yeah. an animal. But uh, really tough guy. And uh, I'm not sure if he stole uh, what what he's doing now. But uh, but yeah, that was my. Uh, Joel Terrio story. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> couldn't believe it. But we got used to this. Darcy ate like 30 butterballs at dinner one night. <laughs> oh, get out of here. Oh, yeah, you know, you know those little butterballs? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Say like 30 of them. Oh, my like, God. For like two days. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> like just stupid shit like that. Like, it's, that's the stuff I miss. You know? oh. that's, that's just crazy kids. You know, I have... Crazy I, Canadian kids. <laughs> I have to say that that... That Fredericton team, it really is one of my all-time favorite teams. And, and obviously, I enjoyed watching you guys play. But I was fortunate enough where I got to know you very well. I got to know Terry very well. Um, you know, Darcy and Gordy. Um, you know, people I still keep in touch with to this day. Yeah. Like, uh, it's just, uh, you know, great group of guys. And, and I would see, you know, Moose every now and then when he'd come to play on the island. Yeah. and uh, uh, But just, you know, like... Um, it was it was a really good good group of guys. Like I, I remember before I'd ever met Darcy when I was working for uh, the team photographers for the Islanders, Bruce Bennett, and we had a photographer that was based out of Kitchener. And one day we started talking about TR, and uh, he goes, "I know your buddies with TR." He goes, "But there's a guy on Fredericton." He goes, "That played here. That is tough as fucking nails." And he goes, mm-hmm. "Make sure you look for Darcy Harris." And I'm like, "Okay, good." And I, I got to tell you, like, as far as sneaky, tough, 
and, and I only mean sneaky in terms of you look at him, he looks like he could be an accountant or a lawyer or a banker or something like that. Now, he's a he's teacher. A teacher now. Yeah, he's a teacher. But, my God, the guy, fuck, you guys had a really, really, I mean, tough team, but a great group of guys. It's really, it's, I'm really happy that I got to know a lot of you guys because that was, that was a fun team, man. It really was. We, it was a great team. We, we had a ball. We just loved playing. We loved fighting. We all partied like we, like we'd party hard. We'd play hard, and you know, just guys that you know I continue talking with. I still talk, I seen Darce last summer when I was yeah. up in PEI. We had some beers and caught yeah. up. And, you know, he's got a nice family. He's teaching, yeah. and you know, we all try to keep in touch. And whenever we see each other, it's like we've never, you know, it's been twenty years. It's like we've never skipped a beat, and you know, we're still joking around. It's like we seen each other yesterday. So yeah. Those are the those are the friendships and the, you know those are the bonds that you make over the years. Uh, yeah, I'll give you a little uh, last goal in history, last fight. Yeah, I scored the last goal and I had the last fight in Canadian history. Oh, it's both. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I scored and fought in the, the last game ever. Who'd you fight? Both though. Uh, Wilson from Providence. Oh, Landon Wilson. Landon Wilson. Yeah. Okay. And then I scored that game. For our last goal. Okay, and that, like you say, that was uh, that's who that you lost in to in the playoffs, yeah. and they ended up winning. I think they beat Rochester that year. Yeah. They okay. And, yeah. yeah. Aaron Downey. Downey. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah we had, we we had a there's a brawl under the stands and Freddie in that playoff series. Jerry Fleming was going crazy. Is they that right? Oh. Yeah. Awesome. Oh. Flemmer was trying to get at uh, Downey or someone on their team. They had it. I think they had Joel Tripp too. I think they had some. Yeah. Good series. It was, it was good. Old time hockey, man. I tell you, I miss Old it. Old time hockey, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, once again, the next season, you spend the year, you split between Montreal and Quebec, more so Montreal and everything. And uh, one of the guys you played with in Montreal is a guy that I hope I can one day get on the show because he did spend some time with the Islanders. Uh, really a, a legendary character in the game, and that's Gino Ojic. Um, Chief. Uh, what do you have any good memories of Gino? Oh, there's so many. Uh, yeah. Gino, Gino's Gino. He was yeah. he, he was towards the end of his career. I was just beginning mine, but you know, I, I we're on the same line. We you know we played together, and you know, Gino is uh, <laughs> Gino's a special human being. Thank God he's doing well. He yeah, had health problems there in the last few years, but he he's getting back and healthy. And, you know, we used to do a lot of drills. A lot of drills together because we would always be the last guys on the ice, and mm-hmm. you know, he's a hard worker, definitely a hard worker, and he yeah. was tough as nails. Like guys didn't want to mess with him. Yeah. Even like he had towards the end of his career, he had bad hands. Like his hands are starting to hurt him, so he played with his gloves on. Mm-hmm. Still killing guys. It was, uh, you know, it's definitely a special character. And uh, this season was, uh, I believe, the first time. And certainly not the last time that you found yourself engaging with uh, one Matthew Barnaby, uh, who was yep. with the Penguins at the time. And uh, as is the case with a lot of his fights, it was a marathon fight. So, do you yep. remember your first fight with Barney? Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, tried sucking me in. We both got uh, two minutes for I don't know two minutes unsportsmanlike conduct. So, uh, he tried, uh, and then I, I I just asked him, I said, "Come on, man, let's you know." Starting out here, man. Give me a break. Yeah. And uh, you know, we, we we ended up fighting and having a 
having a good fight. I, I knew it was going to be long. I was, mm. you know, I'm used to long fights, so it was a good fight. No damage really on uh, on, on either part, but it was definitely entertaining. Um, you also fought a former teammate that year, uh, Gordy Dwyer, who had moved on to yeah. uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, do you remember fighting Gordy? Yeah. Well, me and Gordy were like we we're we we're buds. Yeah. Me, Gordy, PR, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Darcy, like we we're all pretty tight with Freddie. Yeah. And Terry and Gordy didn't like each other. Yeah. So going in, I knew he was going to tap me. And this only time I've ever been tapped on the shoulder to go fight really? was that game. Hmm. He tapped me. He's like, he's like, go, Gordy, go fight Gordy. So I went out there and we lined up. And I was like, Gordy, I was like, I have to fight you. And he was like, what? I was like, yeah, he <laughs> wants you to fight. And he was like, okay, then. And he goes, so we, just, we, we, we had a good fight. He closed my eye. I cut him over yeah. the eye. and sat in the box and he looked over and like he was he was, he was upset i was upset was yeah like, i was like sorry man i, was, I had to do it and he's like, that fucking ass like he mm. screamed at him too during like I, one of the during the game he skated by the box because he knew we were tight yeah you know mm -hmm. he just I, I think he was just trying to test me to yeah. see what you know uh -huh. so you know i had to I, I had to do it and you know unfortunate but my eye was closed for a few days and Guys were laughing at me on the airplane. Well, I was playing. I always played poker with the veteran, yeah. like Savvy and Saku and all those guys. And so they they couldn't stop laughing at me because as soon as I hit the plane, it just blew up even more. <laughs> I was big freaking huge face, and they're laughing at me. It's just great. So you already said that you know you're. It seems like you're one of the few guys, and I'm sure there are others, but uh, let's say who plays that style like a lunch pest style that Taryn really you he was okay with you. Uh, what was your reaction when he was replaced with Alan Vigneault? I was young. I was, you know, I did. I, I was just happy I was up there. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he, you know, he's, it's not like he was throwing me out there power play, and you know, he kind of used me as a as a fourth line guy, and mm -hmm. you know, I was getting three or four minutes a game, and he's getting some taps on the shoulders, you know. But, yeah. So I, I, it, it was time for a change. You know, the team wasn't we were struggling. You know, we weren't uh, we weren't playing great, and you know, Vignal and I think I got traded after that year too, didn't I? Uh, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's when uh, Kim Savard really hated me. Uh oh. But yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was gonna say, don't worry, we have plenty of time for that, but. Yeah. Uh, uh, I didn't like I said when I when I write the questions, like I said, I know obviously it's pretty well known that a lot of guys didn't like Mike. So I didn't remember how he was with you. So obviously, if I asked Tr, hey, what'd you think when Mike got fired? I'm sure he'd be like, oh, I loved it. Or if I asked Gordon yeah, the yeah. same thing, he'd be like, oh, I loved it. So I wasn't sure uh, if the coaching change was good for you or not on a personal level as far as playing time and stuff. I can, you know what? Mm -hmm. I can't even. I, all, all I know is I I didn't play that much with Montreal. I got you. The, you know, the, the games I was playing, I was getting maybe eight minutes, seven, eight minutes a game. It's tough to do that in any league, you know, especially in NHL. So. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I still, you know, put up some decent numbers and mm -hmm. wasn't, uh, you know, still kind of ease my way into the fighting and, you know, trying to change in my game and, you know, and then uh, uh, Savard came in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, before we go to Savard, uh, that season, you again, you spent some time in Quebec. Fortunately, not a ton of time down there, although I'm sure more than you wanted to. 
And uh, we had already touched on Joel Terrio. And the next season, you played with another guy who went on to some renown in the Quebec Senior League, and that's Matthew Rabby. Yeah, you, you remember him? Oh yeah, I remember Rab. I don't. He was. He wasn't up with us that long. Okay. He wasn't up with us that long, but yeah, he was. He was a big French boy. Mm. He could fight. Yeah. He could definitely fight, but uh, I. I think I only played with him for for like a handful of games. You know, we would always wrestle in in practice, and mm-hmm. you know, kind of work on our grips and fighting styles and that stuff. So it was, it was definitely helpful in that way. I think. Um... I think Rabi and Terrio. Well, I know Terrio for sure. I think Rabi also. I think both of those guys were drafted by Washington. So. Uh, oh really? Yeah, they have that in common. I know Joel was for yeah. sure. I think Rabi was also. I could be wrong, but I don't like to be wrong. And I was already wrong a few times in the beginning of the interview, so I'm gonna hope that Rabi was indeed drafted by uh, Washington. But uh, they have that in common. <laughs> uh, one fight I'm gonna ask you about from Quebec. You may or may not remember it, and it's selfish on my part because this is a guy that I got to meet a few years before that when he was playing for the Las Vegas Thunder, and that's Andre uh, Shrubko, who was with Syracuse at yeah. the time. Uh, do you remember that fight? Yeah, I do. There was a, there was a bit of a scrum, and uh, I don't know, we just kind of got paired off with, with each other, and and I, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know if he fought or not, but we started going, and uh, I landed a, a heavy, heavy right on him, and uh, and kind of put him on uh, rubber leg free for sure. Yeah, no, you did very well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I remember, yeah. I remember Salm, Sean Salmser was on that team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of talked to him. And, yeah. Yeah, but I uh, I definitely definitely hit him really, 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 really hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. No, I, I love the kid. He was, I met him when he was with Vegas because uh, my friend Dean was there. And we went and took a trip, and he's like, you got to meet this kid. He's just this big, goofy Russian kid, and he loves to fight and everything. And uh, then when he popped up in the American League, I was excited because then I could go see him when he played the Phantoms and everything uh, when we were living in Philly. And, yeah. uh, and I love the guy. So when I saw that uh, you fought him, I had to ask you about him. And uh, I have the video, so I know you did pretty well. But uh, I was wondering if you remembered that too. So Yeah. Oh, you got to send that to me, yeah. Yeah, that's one, sure. I, that's one. That's one I don't have, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I unfortunately that he got hurt, but yeah, it was yeah. A, it's a solid one. Yeah. So uh, we go to the next season, and you've already mentioned Mr. Savard. Yeah. So this uh, was not good for you, I imagine. No, I don't know what it was. I think uh, Red got fired halfway into the season, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what it was with 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 Andre. He just uh, he just didn't like just didn't like me. Mm-hmm. Just I, I don't know what it was. I was I came in. Uh, I did my job. We were playing. Uh, we made the playoffs. We were playing Boston that year, and Zednik got hurt. And you know, I came in and you know I provided that spark. I uh, got an assist on our uh, games. I think it was game six or game five in Boston, a huge game. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we ended up winning the series. And the next series, we were playing Carolina, and I was playing four or five minutes a game. Like we we lost one nothing. Mm-hmm. And we're going to the hotel, and he pulls me aside in the hallway and starts giving it to me about not doing enough out there and blah, blah, blah. And, I was, and that was it. That was my last playoff game. And got a call in the summer. I actually wow. got a message. Got a message, I believe. Someone left me a message or something saying that, yeah, you can trade him. All right. How was that? Well, before we get to that, 
We're going to start at the beginning of that season. And um, in the training camp that year with Montreal, they had uh, brought in Reed Simpson. And yeah. you ended up fighting him twice. Was yeah. that just, was there anything to that or it's just competition? It was just, it was just competition. It was, you know, they brought in a veteran guy. You know, I'm still still trying to, you know, be a regular in the NHL. And, uh, I knew I, it was either me or him for that last spot. And I did what I could and went and, you know, obviously the first game we played against each other, I'm going to go and, you know, ask him to fight. And <laughs> yeah. I did, and he was like, ah, piss off. You know, he, he's a veteran. He didn't want to fight me, but I, you know, come on, let's go, let's go. And finally, we ended up having two, two pretty good fights. And, uh. I think I still got sent down at the beginning of the year, mm. I think, but uh, made my way back after I put in some really good numbers in, in uh, Quebec. I got yeah. top three in the league in scoring, and, you know, they brought me back up, and I was there to stay. In Quebec, um, and I don't know if you guys were there at the same time, but was it? It's amazing when you think about the American League at that time, and Quebec, I think at one time, had both Louis DeBrusque and Gina Rojic down in Quebec at the same time? Yeah, I wasn't there. I, I was there with Louis for, yeah. uh, for like a month maybe. Because mm. the year before, I think I fought him. Yeah. I fought him when, when he was with, uh, with Phoenix. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he was down. Yeah, it was, it was just strange. It was, uh, that's just the way Montreal and the way things went is. It was strange back then how uh, how things were run. Yeah, you know, you, like if you're a young kid and you're on the bubble, like they would almost try to keep you, you know, keep you down there. It was, it was strange. Uh, we already discussed. This is the season that you had your second fight with Scotch. Uh, another guy you fought that year, uh, Western League veteran, a guy that didn't fight too often, and uh, maybe it showed when he went up against you. And this was Nat Domichelli. Uh, who you kind of gave it to to KO him in the fight? Do you remember that one? Yeah, that was it was that was Gratton was starting a bunch of shit, and I came kind of like break it up, and Nat started pushing, and, and I, I was I was just like, what the hell? So I was <laughs> still trying to make a name for myself, so I didn't care. Yeah. So yeah, I felt bad, but I gave it to Nat. And, uh, Nat pretty good, and mm. wasn't happy. I wasn't too proud about that one, but you know messing with a teammate and yeah yeah my job is to protect and unfortunate but part of the job right yeah definitely now you kind of set it up a little bit so let me just set this up a little bit for uh long island people here because they're they'll know so um i don't know if this was the first one they did or you know teams started having these draft parties so um you can't go to the draft let's say if you don't want to make the trip to wherever the draft is but uh, a lot of teams have it in the arena. They have it in different places. And uh, for this particular draft, uh, they had the draft party. I believe it was at the Paramount. And uh, Andrea and I were there. And uh, we're sitting there watching it. And they have it on the big screen. And everyone's kind of quiet. You know, there's like a little bit of uh, noise, people having their conversations. And all of a sudden, they, uh, they announced there's been a trade. And the Islanders have made a trade. So now, of course, everybody... It's Islander fans there, so everyone's quiet. And they announced that the Islanders have traded Marius Tchaikovsky uh, to Montreal for Aaron Asher. Now, most people at the draft party did not know who Aaron Asher is. Uh, yeah. Most people at the draft party loved Marius Tchaikovsky. 
Uh, yes. I'm proud to say that my wife and I both knew who Aaron Ashton was, and at least myself did not love Marius Tchaikovsky. So, it, amongst the people saying, what the fuck, what's this, is this big goofball going, holy shit, they got Ashton from Marius Tchaikovsky. And I am just, people are staring at me and think this. I'm just this lunatic, and I don't even care who they draft now. I couldn't give a shit because Marius is someone who, and I'm not saying anything about him as a person. I'm sure as a person he's a nice guy. Marius is one of those players who always drove me crazy because I always felt like, ah, it doesn't look like he's trying out there. It looks like he's too busy looking in the crowd, looking at the broads and everything like that. Meanwhile, he's married to a supermodel or an actress or something. And he always infuriated me because I'm always like, come on, man. You, You have all this ability. And so I was not unhappy to see him go at all. And then the bonus is, now you're coming in. So I am just fucking ecstatic, okay? And also, I don't. I think it was that day or maybe a couple of days later, the team also trades for Jason Weimer, and they yeah. give up uh, Branislav Meze, who I didn't have anything against, but if you can give up some someone named Branislav Meze and bring in a Western leaguer like Jason Weimer, this is just the greatest day for me ever. Okay, so I am just pumped, okay? So now, I'm, I'm obviously, because we have a relationship, I'd, I'd seen you a few times and everything, I'm just ecstatic. So you're coming in, I'm just pumped. And um, person who, I don't know if he was the uh, assistant to the GM at the time, Kerry Gwyde, or whatever his position was, and I've known Kerry a long time. And uh, Kerry asked me, he said, can you do me a favor? He goes, for the website, would you mind... Uh, writing an article. I know you know Aaron Ashton. Would you mind writing an article, uh, you know, just about Ashton, what he brings to the table? So I'm like, fuck, absolutely. And in the article, I, I have it somewhere. It's not online anymore, but I was I had the foresight, believe it or not, to actually print it. And in the article, I said, if Aaron Ashton gets enough playing time, there's no reason why he can't score 15 goals or more at the NHL level. And do you know how many goals you scored your first year with the Islanders? 15. I'm tell- I mean, it couldn't have worked out better for me. I mean, they say the clock's right twice a day. Like, I was just so fucking happy. I'm like, I said this. So I was I was excited. So that's my personal story about that. What was your reaction when you heard about the trade? Well, I, I wasn't expecting anything. I, I kind of had, you know, an inkling that something was going to happen. I just didn't know it was going to happen at the draft because Zubar just, he just didn't like me. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't like I was uh, I was uh, you know I like to have fun I like to party but mm-hmm. who didn't back then right I don't know what it was he just he just didn't like me and I actually got a call from uh, from talks talk Tucker and course I was sitting in Montreal they're like hey you just got traded I was like <laughs> what you just got traded to the Islanders so I talked to them for a few minutes I was like oh okay <laughs> and then uh, I had a I had a message I had a message saying, yeah, you know, good luck. You've been traded to, uh, to, uh, the Islanders. Mm-hmm. I don't ever, I don't even remember talking to some art. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Like that's that, like it was strange to mm-hmm. talk to my agent. I, I remember talking to my agent, but I do not remember talking to Andres of art. Wow. And if I, and if I did, it was like, yeah, you're traded. Not good. Like that was it. Yeah. yeah. You've been traded. Was, okay, thanks. Bye. Like, if, if anything, it, it was that. Wow. So, yeah, I, 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 I didn't like that guy too much. 
So based on that, um, and because you had you had spent some time in Montreal uh, during the years you were there, but it was always up and down between Montreal and Freddie and Montreal and yeah. Quebec. Um, did you look at this as a, as maybe a fresh start where you can kind of make the team and potentially make the team and then maybe stick in the NHL? Oh, I I, that, I, that, I thought for sure. I was like, you know, it's a fresh start. And, you know, what they did the previous year with, with Toronto, you know, mm, they yeah. they brought in some big guys, Tex and, and Yash. You know, I, I was happy for the changes. I've never been in New York and, you know, I ended up uh, – coming over and just falling in love with the island and you know i've been i've been here ever since i've always made it my home in the in the off season and you know so it was uh it was great i uh didn't know what to expect but i came in and you know we had a great team a great group of guys we had a tough team and you know it was just uh you know it was just definitely a learning experience but it was uh it, it was unreal so when you your entire pro career has been spent in the Montreal organization, and now you come to the Islanders, a uh, completely new organization, uh, new coach, obviously, Peter Laviolette. Um, what was that like going into a training camp, learning his systems and everything? Uh, did you feel like he was a coach that you could click with? Lavi was, you know, pretty much all my coaches. Uh, Lavi is the one that trusted me the most, and, you know, believed in my game and, you know, give me the – you know, played me the, you know, more than six minutes a game. I was averaging 10, 11 minutes at Lavi. And, you know, I don't know what it was. It just, you know, he, he believed in my game and, you know, put me out there in certain situations with certain players. And, you know, I kind of uh, took that opportunity and ran with it. Yeah. Um, this team, this Islander team, uh, as you might imagine, is one of my favorite Islander teams of that I've ever been a fan of because – um, the, some of the guys you played with, obviously, Eric Cairns is a monster, yeah. monster, and a tremendous guy. Uh, awesome. man, we talked about Jason Weimer. We talked about Sketch, uh, Steve Webb, uh, Eric Goddard, God, and uh, a couple of you know a couple of defensemen who didn't spend the entire year. They got cups of coffee. Uh, Ray Schultz, another Western sure leaguer, yeah, and sure uh, another guy you played with in Fredericton, Alan Nazardine. Uh, he played some games for the Islanders that year too. Um, this was this team uh, you know this te- obviously the dynasty teams are the dynasty teams but this team and then the team later on that had Trevor Gillies and Kanopka and Michael Haley and Matt Martin that team also is some a team that I love this team though I couldn't have handpicked a better group of guys to be on this team especially the tough players I mean this this had to be like you sitting in that locker room looking around and you got a killer in that corner. You got a killer in that corner. Um, you know, Cairns and Goddard. You got guys like yourself and Scatcherd and Weimer. Let's say, you know, maybe a, a class lower, but you can all play the game, but you fight anybody. And you got Webby, who's like a wrecking ball out there. How much fun was playing that year? It was, it was a great year. Like, we, like, Carnsey was, he was just putting hurting on guys. Like, I, I remember he, must have concussed like four or five guys out here and, you know we had God he was young and up and comer and he was killing guys and we had the big Weems who was uh, you know just a brute of a man as strong yeah. as hell he was fighting like, we just had a good group and uh, you know I think we had a decent year just mm-hmm. I can't remember if we lost to Buffalo that year or camp in the first round or just, 
you know, just unfortunate we just couldn't get past this first round. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there were a couple of incidents that year uh, involving the Rangers. And uh, there was a almost a pregame brawl in the warm-ups at the Coliseum. Uh, you were a key player in that. Uh, you and, again, here we go with Matt Barnaby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it started, I think Barney and Jason Blake were chirping each other. Now, um, I, I'll i say this. I don't expect you to say anything. Uh, if you want, you don't have to. I've heard a lot of pretty shitty things about Jason Blake as far as being a teammate and a person. Uh, I don't need you to say one way or the other whether you are, uh, how you feel about him. Uh, but... Uh, Barnaby and Blake were chirping each other, and I didn't know if that's when you kind of stepped in to step in for Blake, and then it uh, it almost culminated with Karenzi and Sandy going at it. Yeah, it was uh, Blake. He always did his little warm up routine where he went and skated by the red line. And, yeah. And uh, I was on the other side, and I seen Barnaby skate towards him and give him the fake shoulder and then a slash. So I skated over there and I threw a spear in. And, the next thing you know, we kind of got a little uh, little group of guys and we're throwing some punches. And Carnsey and uh, and Sandy were going at it. It was it was fun. Yeah, it was, uh, it was like going in after after warm up. It was like get the Vaseline out, tough, tough skin and the hands up, and you know it was like oh. But that's how they played us that year. Like yeah. they they would mess with like with Theo and. They would just mess with our heads, get us going, like thinking we we're going to scrap. We'd be in the box, off our games, and they would beat us every time. It drove me crazy. <laughs> uh, later that year at the Garden, you ended up fighting Barnaby. Another great. Yeah. You guys always had real good fights. Um, did that have anything to do with the almost brawl in the pregame, or is it just something that happened during the game? Uh, just stuff that you know carry over. Yeah, carry over. You know. Uh, you know, back then, like we, like those, like those games were, they, they, they were nothing compared to, you know, the games that they're playing now. Right. Oh like yeah. The intensity, like the intensity, and like the, like the atmosphere. It was, you know, those were games. Mm-hmm. Like, they, 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 it was just, it was just one of those things, chirping, and you know, you know how Barnaby gets, and yeah. gets under your skin, and it was just like, he was chirping with, with uh, Carnsey, and I just. Like, I actually, like I told Lab, I was like, "Hey, put me out there. I'm gonna go fight Barnaby." And <laughs> he threw me out there, and I, you know, McCreary said, "Make sure the puck drops." We were like, "Yep," and then away we went. And was that the first time that you're fighting a guy, and in the middle of the fight, he's chirping your bench? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's, Bar- that's Barney for you. Yeah, you know, I've uh, I, I, I've talked to him and met him. Yeah, you know, in the last few years, and you're a good guy, but mm-hmm. that's just the way he played. Yeah. You know, it just makes you want to punch them that much harder and <laughs> cut them with a couple of good ones. And, uh, you know, we, we always had great fights. Mm-hmm. Well, you did catch them with a few good ones. And uh, and if, if people go on YouTube and watch the video, what I want you to watch for is the Islanders bench after the fight because <laughs> the bench just went fucking bananas. It, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like whole, it was like you guys won the cup. It was, I mean, the bench just exploded after that. Fight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was that was great. Like those those games, Batesy and everyone. Because like he's chirping at him, chirping at him, chirping at him. So yeah, it was good. It was, it was a good ending. I think we, we lost that game though, but you know, got a couple good licks in on him, so it was, uh, <laughs> it was fun. Um, you and we'll obviously we'll get into more detail with this later. So you play for a lot of teams in the same division, a lot of good rivalries. Um, 
Islander Rangers rivalry the best rivalry you've ever been a part of? Uh, yeah, the, the Toronto Montreal is pretty is pretty good too. But you know, Philly and uh, and and Pittsburgh are good. Mm-hmm. But back in when you know when when I was with the Islanders, like those games were those games were those were hard to beat. Yeah, like the robbery and mm-hmm. the the you know and how much how much we hated them, they hated us, the fans hated each other. It's it, it was just exciting, hard nose. It was games I missed. Like those are those are the games I missed being a part of. It was those intense, in your face, hard nose games. And you know those every game. Those 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 were uh, even though we didn't fare too well. There's I mean, there's still great games to be a part of. Now, when you're on the bench, and let's say more so with the Coliseum, because you always had the, the split Ranger fans, Islander fans, where I think at the Garden it was mostly Ranger fans. And yeah. you're on the bench, and you hear, I mean, from from warm-ups to the end of the game, and you're, you're hearing the fans go back and forth, and, and there's really no break in the noise behind you. Um what does that do for a guy like you, a guy that I could see feeding off the crowd, as opposed to say playing a Tuesday night game at the Coliseum against Phoenix, where there's really no environment there? It's it those environment. It, it, it's hard to explain, like how how you're feeling, like you're watching fights in the stands, and you know yeah. it's it, it's just great games to be a part of, and, and the fans just make it that much better. It, you know their, their their love of their team and. Rangers love of their team. It's just uh, just makes for a great game and a great atmosphere, and 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 that's what they were. They were they were just the atmosphere of those games were like a playoff game, game seven. Yeah. And there's just uh, it's just special. And those uh, you know I've been lucky to be a part of uh, a lot of rivalries. <laughs> and, uh, you know those are just games that uh, you know you just you games you just want to play and you want to be a part of. Uh, the games that year against Montreal, um, did they mean a little bit more because that's where you you uh, broke the team you broke in with? And uh, not that you want to say I told you I could I told you I could play I told you so, but um, did they mean a little bit more? Because I'm sure when you went back to Montreal, I'm sure there was a lot of media uh, at your locker asking you about different things. Um, so did they mean a little more that year? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. I wanted to definitely wanted to beat them. I think I ended up scoring a goal my first game back, which was which was great. Yeah. But yeah, I wanted to stick it right up their ass for sure. <laughs> and, you know, show them like you know. And personally, they did make mistake by trading me. I think. Uh, oh. You know, uh, I think Chow was back later that year with the Islanders, mm-hmm. so uh, you know we ended up playing. So they ended up getting nothing for me. So I I think it was a mistake, and uh, you know I think. Uh, I think later down the road, I think they realized that they uh, they wanted me to come back and and play, but I declined. Yeah, well, just so everybody knows, because like I said, uh, Marius was not a favorite of mine. I did take note of his stats that year. Uh, for the year you had with the Islanders, the year that you had, you had 78 games, 15 goals, as some genius predicted, unbelievably, uh, 34 points. Uh, Marius Tchaikovsky that year with Montreal had five goals and 14 points. He was a point-a-game player, but that was in the American League with Hamilton. He had 20 points in 20 games. So, uh, And like you say, he ended up back with the Islanders. So, um, you know, the, the two people at the draft party that were ecstatic about the trade 
were obviously not only the two best-looking people at the draft party that day, but obviously the smartest people at the draft party that day because we knew something that nobody, apparently no one else did. So <laughs> thank you for making us look good. Hey, no problem. <laughs> so when the season comes to a close, or even during the season, because like I'd mentioned, all those the previous years in Montreal, you're going up and down, up and down. And here you are, you're on Long Island. I imagine at some point you got a place. And now you're, not that you take it for granted that you're going to stay here, but at a certain point you kind of had to feel like, all right, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm an NHL or I'm not going. Uh, I don't know. If, I guess it was Bridgeport at the time. I'm not going to Bridgeport. Um, again, is that sort of like a relief in a way where you can, you're not worried that if you make a mistake, you're going to go down to the minors. You're not worried, you know, it kind of gives you, you're able to take more chances because you have that confidence. Um, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, you know, it's it, it definitely, you know, it's, you know makes, makes you feel a little bit more at ease. But uh, I was at a point in my career if that if they were going to send me down, that they were going to have to put me through waivers. So, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, you know, I was, you know, back then I was still, you know, a decent prospect and, you know, so I think I would have got picked up anyways. But, mm-hmm. but either way, yeah, it, it you know it takes a load knowing that you're part of a team and you're going to be there for uh, you know extended period of time. It's a lot, you know, game the game becomes a lot easier. You know, you're not double second guessing yourself or you make a mistake like you said. Oh, am I going to get sent down? And so yeah, like that way, it, you know, definitely makes your life a lot easier and you know a little easier to play the game less uh you know you're gripping that stick not as tight so well you never know if they send you down and you have to clear waivers who knows if montreal doesn't pick you up again exactly exactly <laughs> that would have been great <laughs> <laughs> so the following season uh laviolette's gone they bring in steve sterling he's actually not the guy i want to ask you about though uh the assistant coach is uh a pretty reputable t- a guy that could play the game no doubt I know you said you weren't a fan of Vancouver back in the day, but Kurt Fraser uh, pretty much takes a backseat to nobody in terms of toughness. And from what I remember, he's got a handshake that'll break your hand. Um, for a player like yourself who plays a, a tough style, um, is it enjoyable when you play when one of your coaches, your head coach, your assistant coach, like you had in in uh, Fredericton with Jerry, um, that he played a similar role and actually understands the role? Does that does that help you at all? Oh, definitely. You know, Fraser uh, was great. Uh, I kind of wish he would have been the head coach. Cause yeah. Sterles was, uh, uh, I don't know about that one, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, he played the game, he played the game the right way. You, you know, he was tough. He played the game hard. And, you know, he knew the, the everyday battles of playing in the NHL, you know, especially on guys that, uh, you know, that fought a lot and, and, and so forth. So it was always nice having him and, you know, someone to talk to and, you know, get advice from and, you know, fighting technique or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, so that season, that you had a fight against Jason Williams of Detroit, and it's not so much, and you did well in the fight, but uh, the thing that was uh, memorable about this fight is you had suffered an eye injury. Uh, uh, you almost got, uh, I think, I think you got cut with a skate, and I think it did miss your eye, but it was very close. Is that correct? Yeah, I was like uh, half of uh, like a centimeter, a half a centimeter away from uh, from the skate. Actually, hitting my eye. Wow. I uh, yeah, sliced the uh, 
caught me right on the corner of my eye and cut me for like 75 stitches. And so I was, uh, <laughs> I, it happened in the third period. And I remember I was back checking, it was Bassett check from uh, Carolina. Mm. And back then you could, you know, friggin' ride the guy, you could hook, you hook. And I was hooking him and he kind of fell forward and the skate came up and thank God it I didn't catch a rake in the eye, but yeah. when I got hit, uh, it, everything went black, and black, like all the blood rushed yeah. in. So I thought I thought I lost my eye. Ooh. So I skated to the bench, and I went up to the trainer, and he looked at me. He was like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" <laughs> you know, I was like, "Is it all right? Is it all right?" He was like, "Yeah." He's like, "You got to get you inside." Mm. I was like, "Dude, there's like seven minutes left." I was like, "Just throw some friggin' swabs in there and close it up, and I'm not going off yet." There's still. He's like, Ash, I seriously, I was like, just do it. So he put like three of those little cotton, little stringy things yeah. in and closed my eye up. And then, uh, yeah, I went into the dressing room after the game and Doc was there. And he was like, oh my God. Mm. I was like, can I look at it? He's like, Ash, he goes, I don't think you should look at it. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to see it. Yeah. It, it, it must have been just horrendous. I remember when I skated to the to the bench, there's like these two girls that used to always sit at the sides, and I looked over at them, basically all fainted. So yeah. I was like, it can't be good. But anyways, he wouldn't, Doc wouldn't let me look at it, but I ended up getting like 75 stitches and closed her up, and then we were in uh, Detroit a few games later, and I didn't know who this guy was. He started yeah. jabbing at me, and I wasn't going to say no. I yeah. know my eye was, if I would have got hit, it would have been, it wouldn't have been good. Right. I said sure, and yeah, I ended up fighting him and dusted him up, and thank God uh, <clears throat> I didn't get hit in the eye, or else that would have been wouldn't have been pretty. I think should have been wearing a visor, but nah. Well, I think I think that's a guy thing, like you say uh, that you wanted to see it, and I'm not comparing you know my situation to yours, but I know when when I had my thing and I was all cut up and everything, yeah. and uh, the ADA says, "Well, we got a picture of the back of your head before they." stitched up and stapled up. the first thing i said is can i see it like yeah. he's like i don't know if you should i'm like no uh, let me see it and i think it's just like i don't know maybe it's just a guy thing but uh i know yeah yeah but yeah i, I want to see I, it i definitely want to see it, but yeah I, I i didn't get a didn't get a look at it well i saw the they picture did a, they did a pretty good uh pretty good job of it so so i guess the 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 follow-up question to that is uh he williams challenged you you accepted um, was there any hesitation on your part to say, I don't know, like you say, if he hits you, he, if he, all he has to do is land even probably uh, a grazing punch on the stitches and it's probably going to pop wide open. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't thinking that at the time. Yeah. I just, I just, you know, yeah. you just go, you go and you figure out the damage after, I guess. Okay. And that's, again, this is the... You know the kind of mentality. I'm sure there. If there's any of the new age hockey fans listening right now, they're probably like aghast because it's something they can't understand what yeah. it's like to be a man. But uh, but that's just the way you were and the way a lot of guys were back then. I mean, uh, there's a lot of guys that. I mean, you're tell you got your eye filled with blood. You're you're gushing from your face and you're telling the trainer there's seven minutes left. Just put get me back in there. <laughs> so you know it, it's just uh, it's just the way a mentality that certain people have, and yeah, I, it's, it's, I I don't think a lot of people can understand that. That's strange. It's just you know I came out with my teammates. I'm also yeah. if I'm not dead, I'm also skate off with my life. 
Uh, we, uh, I'm not sure if we won the game. I think we won the game. So, I think I can't remember, but uh, yeah, I remember it was a uh, it was a painful few days, definitely. Oh, I bet. Um, in a game against New Jersey, you were challenged by somebody named Chris Hale, and you didn't drop the gloves right away. And on TV, it almost looked like you were giving him a chance to reconsider. And when he didn't reconsider, you just said, okay, and then you just did what you had to do. Do you remember that? I, I remember fighting Hale. I think that was, I'm not sure if that was a season where I was having my hand and wrist issues okay. or not, but uh, but I, I do remember fighting him, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, I think it was, a, it, it was a quick fight, though, I think, right? It wasn't, wasn't long at all. No, and like I said, it was just funny because when you watch it, like I said, it's almost <laughs> like... It's almost like you're giving him, like you're, you're giving him a chance to say, "All right, maybe I shouldn't do this." And then when he kept he kept pushing the envelope, you're like, "All right, then let's do this." So, yeah, funny. Um, another incident that happened that year, um, a game against Pittsburgh. Uh, Joseph Melikar boarded Oleg Kavasha, another favorite yeah. of mine, uh, and I say that tongue in cheek, of course. Um, and uh, Tom Katsopoulos, uh, you went after I guess Melikar, and Katsopoulos, I guess came stepped in and. Uh, for him, and then you guys ended up having a nice fight. I don't know if you remember that one. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. I, I, I actually pretty good at remembering most of the fights, but yeah. uh, you know, whenever you see someone get ran like they did, you gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta jump in there. And you know, I went to try to get after Melikar, but who wasn't a fighter. And yeah, Tom, Tom, and does what he does. He's yeah. gotta, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. And we ended up going at it, and you know, a couple, couple bombs thrown, and you know, it's all. Uh, like I said before, it's all part of the job, and it's all you know. That's, that's all we got to do. That's not all we got to do, but you know, you see a teammate down, you see a teammate in pain, and yeah, grab the guy responsible for it. If not, try to grab someone close and make <laughs> <him> pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now it's been a few minutes since we've mentioned him, but uh, you had another incident with Mr. Matthew Barnaby this year um, at Madison Square Garden. Um, there was a scrum going on. Uh, you had a fight with Barney, you did well again, and they had to physically put you off the ice because you were trying to get back onto the ice because there was a scrum going on. Uh, Chris Simon was, was challenging Scatchard. Uh, Messier had a hold of Jason Blake. I think he was actually choking him with his jersey. And, uh, and you were trying to get back on the ice. Was there any any pairing or any person you were trying to get back on the ice to, uh, to get at? Well, Scatch at the time was having shoulder problems mm-hmm. so he could barely look he could be like separated his shoulder from so he was wearing a cap he was wearing like a like a splint a shoulder splint or whatever he was wearing and Cy was 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 going after him and yeah hammer hammer like was out there so Cy swatted him once we knew that was done yeah, and, yeah. Uh, no kidding so after our fight i was i i seen everyone going i was just trying to get on to you know, to help Scatch because I knew he, uh, I know he couldn't do anything and he was basically the only one out there. I think Commander was out there as well, so. Yeah. And Blakey was out there being choked by Mass. Yeah. It was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> His <laughs> face was bright cause, red. Because we were talking after, we were busting back to the, back to the island. <laughs> and he was like, he, he almost passed out. Like, he almost. Yeah. Choked him out. I believe it. They wouldn't have cared anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. So. I remember, I'll tell this story because a, a, a few people have asked me about it and I don't know Blakey at all, uh, but I had heard enough stories about him and 
before he became a regular NHLer and he played in another league lower than the NHL, um, I knew one of the trainers for the team. And I, at that point, I had just heard story after story about him. And, and I said, hey, I got to ask you. I said, what's the story with Blake? And he goes, what do you mean? I go, I don't know. It just seems like a lot of people don't like him. And it's not the opponents. It seems like a lot of guys on his own team, they just don't care for him. And I swear to God, he looks me dead in the face. And he goes, Joe, Blakey's an asshole. He can't help it. And I just said, okay, that answers a lot of questions. So, uh, so. Uh, I, she, yeah, I don't know what it was about Blakey. It's yeah. just the one thing that really, that really, really set me off with him is uh, we we have a mutual friend. Uh, I grew up with a guy in, in, in Portage, Adam Calder. He was the captain of UMB. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They won a national championship together. And uh, he died uh, two, two or three years ago. He had uh, throat cancer. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So yeah, so uh, so we're doing a, a benefit back home, and I'm you know calling X guys. Kind of Mike Commodore played with mm-hmm. him in UND, and Blakey played with him. So I get a hold of Com. I was like, hey buddy, you know we're doing this thing for calls. You know he's not doing too well. I'm trying to raise some money for him for his treatments and all this stuff. He's like, you mind sending the jersey? So Com with Com's was like, oh yeah, no problem, bro. Got the jersey the next day. Mm-hmm. I called Blakey. Talked to Blakey a little bit. I was like, hey, man, you know, Carl's is going through this stuff. I was like, we're doing a benefit. Can you send a signed jersey? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think we get a jersey? Or does he answer any of my calls or anything after? Uh, Good to guess a, no. Not a fucking thing. Yeah. So, or, yeah, right from yeah. there, it's just like, how? Yeah. How? Yeah, it's you crazy. Know, you went to war with this guy. You won a national championship with this guy. And... Yeah. You don't have the time to sign a fucking jersey. This guy's on his deathbed to fucking help him and his family. Like, are you fucking kidding me? That's uh, right from there. Like, and, and that's not the only thing. Like, yeah, of, of, you know, the only thing. But there's there's other things. It's just, you know, when uh, people are in need and you turn your back on them, you know, go fuck yourself. You know, so that's what I think. Did um, I'm trying to remember. Um, Calder. I don't know if he played in the NHL. Did he at least play in the American League? Uh, there's two of them. There was Shane Calder. No, I, I the, Adam. I remember sure. though. I think Adam played. Might have played. He was with the the Stingrays in the East Coast. Okay. He might have played a little bit in the A. Okay. Not not regular, but yeah. He, was, he went overseas, and he was he was he was tough. He fought yeah. too, and you know, yeah. So I, it was an unfortunate, definitely unfortunate. I I gotta look it up when I'm done because I don't, I I I could be completely off, but when you said the name. I thought of Rochester, but again, I could be completely wrong. I'm, I'm definitely going to look it up uh, once yeah, we hang he, up. But might have been, might have been, in, he might have played in Rochester for a little bit. You yeah, great job. Yeah, so look at that. Well, I got to make up for the beginning of the interview. So, <laughs> uh, but no, I'm really sorry to hear that, and uh, it's good yeah. that a guy like Commodore stepped up for you when you needed him. Yeah, that's great. You know, Commodore. That's just the kind of guy he is, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so another game. Another incident against the Rangers. Now this was at the Coliseum, and um, this this one, uh, and this might have been residual from the the last game that we were just talking about. So in this game, once again you pair off with Barney, and uh, Simon ends up with Eric Goddard, and I'm sure that had something to do with the uh, Scatcher thing. And while this is all going on, uh, Cairns Cairnsy wants to kill yeah. Dale Purinton and. For people that don't know why, it's because in the previous game at the Garden, Puritan suckered him, and yeah. he suckered him pretty good. And then 
I'm not shitting on Del Pierrenton at all. I met him one time. He's a decent guy. But it was borderline embarrassing, and I'm not afraid to say this. It was borderline embarrassing because if I remember right, it almost looked like I, obviously he wanted no part of Cairns, and I guess I don't blame him for that. That's one of the few humans I really would want to piss off. But if I remember right, I almost remember him kind of like not hiding but staying behind Messier. Do you remember that whole sequence of events? Oh, yeah. Lying. That's what we used to call Cairns. We used to call him lying. <clears throat> you know, he was just, he was, yeah, he wasn't happy. Yeah. And we knew, we knew that he was going to, he was going to snap and, and, and do something. I'm just glad that he, he didn't break a stick over his head because he got, <laughs> when, when, uh, when his wires crossed, Cairns, he, Cairns was a scary man. So, yeah, but, uh, Dale didn't want anything to do with him, which was surprising. Yeah. But, you know, I, I played against Dale my, you know, from the time I was 16 up until, you know, the time he was done hockey. So, yeah. I've seen a lot of him. I know a lot about him. And, you know, he, he was a tough guy, but I don't blame him for not wanting to play parents. <laughs> I'll tell you that. No, and, and, and like I said, he has a reputation. Now, you know, he, he, he earned the reputation in the West. Uh, I think he played with Todd Fedoric. I think they both got their last names tattooed on the back, like, uh, in uh, like gothic letters, whatever, something like that. Like, uh, you know, and then everywhere he's pl- everywhere he played, he always did the job. And, you know, he might have played over the line a little bit, but he really answered the bell. And that's why, you know, when he's, when he's, I remember watching the game and he suckers Cairnsy, and I'm like, all right, well, you know, they play again soon, so we'll see what happens. And I was really, like, I remember, and I don't get too excited, of, you know, watching sports on TV. I mean, I'm, I'm an old man, I don't really get too worked up and yeah. I, I'll never forget watching that game going he's fucking hiding he just he's yeah. gonna be he's not gonna go anywhere near him and I kind of I don't want to say I lost a little respect but in that moment it, again it all goes back to accountability like okay you suckered him in this game now you know he's gonna come after you yeah you know so you gotta step up and, and again it's not like say it's uh you know pick pick a ranger player that wasn't a physical player i mean this is a guy in purinton that played that style of game um and like i say i don't blame him necessarily but you've been through enough wars you sucker this guy you did it now just take your beating and just move on yeah exactly you know yeah i was, I was a little uh, i was a little surprised too but you know he probably didn't want uh the big right hand coming down on him. Yeah, and I mean, I, I listen. I like Dale. Like I said, the, the one or two times I had spoken to him, you know, good guy and everything. And uh, I know I think he's been through some tough times, uh, not necessarily as of late, but uh, once he retired. And of course, I wish him nothing but the best. But in that moment, I was like, "You got to be fucking kidding me!" You know, just uh, get in there and take your licks and move on. Yeah, exactly. You know. Thanks to Aaron Ashton for his time. Uh, that's only part one. We'll have part two coming up next week. Uh, one thing I wanted to say in my uh, in my intro is Aaron does not do a lot of interviews. He doesn't do a lot of podcasts. Um, so, Aaron, if you are listening to this, if you listened all the way to the end, then I appreciate uh, you speaking with me. I am going to also mention this in the intro to part two, and thank you for that. Um, the reason why I'm saying this now is um, Asham uh, has had uh, a pr- some pretty colorful moments off the ice as well and uh that's nothing i really got into he did a pretty good interview well an awesome interview uh back with terry ryan on terry's old show called third man in and terry and ash are basically best friends uh they've been through a lot together uh from junior and in the minors and uh, with montreal uh they pretty much know everything you need to know about 
each other. And um, they talked about some pretty wild stories from Ash's past that are really fucking insane, to be honest with you. And it's pretty much must listen. So um, I would definitely go back into the Third Man In archives uh, and listen to Aaron's episode with Terry Ryan and the boys because um, it is something to behold. It's really, really fucking good. So uh, go back and listen to that, everybody. And... um, Check in here next week for part two with Aaron Asham. And to all the dads out there, I hope you guys had an amazing Father's Day. This was a, a bit of a different Father's Day for us. Uh, for the longest time, what we normally would do is go to a minor league baseball game. We always try to go to a different stadium every year. And uh, although I don't think we've done that for the last few years, we've always done something now with COVID. Um, you know, it kind of fucked things up, but... Um, it doesn't really matter to me. I could sit in my living room all day and just stare at my family because I'm just so grateful to have them as a family. And, um, you know, it doesn't really matter. I can't even tell you what we did since I'm actually recording this Saturday and Father's Day's tomorrow. And you're probably listening to this on Monday. So uh, I don't really give a shit what we ended up doing. I don't honestly I couldn't care less uh, as long as I spent it with my family. I know you guys are probably sick of hearing me talk about how much I care about my family, but I'm not apologizing for that. So um, all the dads out there, I hope your Father's Day was fucking awesome. And uh, everybody, tune in next week for Aaron Ashen Part 2, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.